recording has started. Chair Yankee, do you want to introduce the meeting? Sure. Um, call to order the regular meeting of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force for November 1st, 2023. Uh, Cheryl, if you want to go ahead and read the preamble and remote participation instructions. Uh, remote access and or in-person participation. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and its committees convene hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance, in-person public comment, remote access for petitioners and respondents, and remote public comment via teleconference. Uh, the WebEx remote link in is tinyurl.com forward slash BWSYMBCZ. The password is sunshine. Telephone call in number 415 655 0001. Meeting ID 2598 214 2381 pound pound. Press star three to enter the speaker line. Um, uh, mem members of the public may participate by phone or may submit their comments by email to SOTF at sfgov.org. All comments received will be made a part of the official record. Sunshine Ordinance Task Force agendas and their associated documents are available. SFBOS.org forward slash sunshine. Uh, Chair Yankee, do you want to read meeting decorum? Sure. Uh, meeting decorum. Any member of the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force may call for decorum due to the dis disorderly conduct of meeting participants. Persons who engage in threatening and or menacing behavior may be asked to leave. For the record, I'll note we had started at 4 6 p.m. 416? 4 406. 406. And Cheryl, if you want to go ahead and move on to item number one. Item number one, call to order, roll call, and agenda changes. Let's begin with roll call. Member Wolf. Present. Member Wolf present. Member Hill. Member Hill not present. Member Pilpel. Present. Member Pilpel present. Member Highland. Present. Member Highland present. Member Sugarman. Present. Member Sugarman present. Member LaHood not present. Member Schmidt. Present. Member Schmidt present. Vice Chair Stein. Present. Vice Chair Stein present. Chair Yankee. Present. Chair Yankee present. One, two, three, four. We have a quorum. We have uh, six members participate. Oh, <clears throat> Seven with Maxine Anderson. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Present. Okay. We have how many, Cheryl? One, two, three, four, five. Eight. Eight. Okay. Okay. Do we have any agenda changes that you're aware of? I'm not aware of any agenda changes. And I'm not either. Um, but we'll go ahead and open up the public comment just in case there are any from someone in the public. If the members who would like to make public comment at this time, uh, you can raise your hand if you're on the telephone or otherwise use that application to raise your hand for public comment. I see no indications of public comment on this matter. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment on this item and move on to item number two. Item number two, welcome new task force member and introductory remarks. Thank you, Cheryl. And while we're all sad to have no longer have um, prior Vice Chair Wong with us, we're excited to have uh, a new member, Maxine Anderson. So I want to turn it over to her to introduce herself and say any remarks you'd like to say. Okay, and I'm always brief. So my name is Maxine Anderson. I'm here 
uh, occupying the chair. You have to speak in the microphone, Bill. Now speak into it. Okay. Come over it around. There you go. Gotcha. Okay. New member Maxine Anderson. I'm sit sitting in seat five for the League of Women Voters of San Francisco. I'm really happy to be here. I believe in transparency in government, and I believe that having a sunshine ordinance and a task force to enforce it is one of the most important things San Francisco could do. And I am all in for making sure that we are as transparent a city as possible. Thank you very much. I look forward to working with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, member Anderson and welcome. 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 Okay, we'll go ahead and open that up to public comment in case there is any. Victor. Are there any public comments, Victor? Uh, if anyone would like to make public comment, you can raise your hand at this time. I see no hands raised at this time. I believe we can close public comment. Okay, thanks, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment and move on to item number three. Item number three, approval of the minutes from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force meeting of October 4, 2023. Thank you, Cheryl, and I'll open it up if anyone has any suggested edits to the minutes. Member Popo. Um, finding, finding the document, one moment. Yes, I have passed in um, edits to uh, Cheryl. Let me just review the substantive uh, parts. Um, on page two, item one, uh, public comment. I thought it would read better to say Jen Court, um, Office of the City Attorney, stated that she had no opposition to continuing item 11, file number um, 21140, period. Um, on page four, under item five, I just, uh, oh, here's a good word. I propose to concatenate uh, all of those one liners into um, one uh, paragraph. Um, I, according to my notes, I believe that I moved and member uh, LaHood um, seconded uh, the motion to elect uh, member Stein as vice chair. If I'm wrong, and if it was member Highland, that's fine too. Um, anyway, I, I just checked my uh, notes. Member Highland, um, do you recall? Oh, I definitely recall that it was member Stein. No, who as to who made the motion? Oh, the motion that I don't recall. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you hear what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the top of page five, uh, I think it reads better to say Chair Yankee appointed member Pilpel to serve on the Compliance and Amendments Committee, period. Um, some minor rewording on the motion to reschedule the December CAC meeting um, added Hunter's Point before building 606 on item eight. Uh, most significantly on the bottom of page five, the motion on the Ron Cicero matter, I thought it would read better to say, moved by member Pilpel, seconded by member Wolf, to continue the matter for two months and to seek more information from the police department and legal advice from the city attorney, period. 
Um, on page six added allegedly um, the references to the advice memo. I thought um, it would be better to just say consistently city attorney advice memo, not referring to date, not referring to DCA price wolf to just have it be city attorney advice memo. Um, on the line after uh, Perea, uh, I, I think it reads better to say the task force discussed, sorry, the task force discussed the attorney client privilege of the, or maybe related to the city attorney advice memo and its conclusion period. Um, and for the motion, I had moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Vice Chair Stein to agendize for the December 6, 2023 task force meeting whether to waive attorney-client privilege on all or part of the city attorney advice memo to close file number 22052 and to recognize the validity of the July 25th, 2023 task force order. Um, page seven at the top, there's reference to CPRA and it says California Public Records Action. I think it's Public Records Act. Um, uh, rewrite of the Carl Kramer um, paragraph to um, eliminate the references to Kathy Mulkey Meyer. I just thought HRC generally was a, a better read on all of that. HRC provided record, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it doesn't change the substance. Um, task Force. Page eight, administrative code, not administrator code. Um, some minor tweak at the end of the Dylan Schneider paragraph. There's a reference to January 20th. I believe that was 2023 and not 2022 because the request was made in December of 22. And yeah, anyway. Um, so at the end, it would say that her department does not have a further breakdown available, period. Um, Board rules da, da, da. on item 15, the Chair Yankee line. I have Chair Yankee stated that the Board of Supervisors Rules Committee has recommended a replacement for former Vice Chair Wong, comma, who has resigned. Could say who has resigned from the task force. That's fine. I just think where possible, we should spell things out in the first instance. Anyway. Um, I think the rest of it is fine, and with those um, edits, as may be further discussed by the task force, I move to adopt the minutes. Second. Okay, so moved by Member Pelpel, seconded by Member Highland to approve the minutes with the aforementioned edits. Any other discussion on that? All right, let's go ahead and open that up to public comment. Does anybody who'd like to make public comment at this time, you can raise your hand to the application or press star three if you're on the telephone. Okay, do you not see any hands raised at this time? Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment and show when you're ready. Let's take a roll call vote on that.
Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Anderson. Aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill, absent. Uh, Member LaHood, absent. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Uh, Vice Chair Stein. Aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. One, two, three. Eight in favor. Eight in favor and then two absent. Let's say, make sure we say that to every time. How many absent? Oh, zero absent. Yeah. We should say oh, two, abs two absent. Yep. Two absent. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to item number four. Item number four, approval of the orders of determination, file number 22027, complaint filed by John Templeton against the planning department, file number 22028, complaint filed by John Templeton against the Historic Preservation Commission, file number 22045, complaint filed by Giselle Robbie and Carl Kramer against Cheryl, Davis, Cheryl Evans Davis and the Human Rights Commission, file number 22046, complaint filed by Giselle Robbie and Carl Kramer against Shereen McSpadden and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Does anyone have any edits to this? Member Pilpel? Um, Thanks. So similarly, I went through and did edits here. Um, again, the more substantive things on page 12 for consideration of, I would insert a violation of, just as for consideration of administrative code. Um, on the bottom, the um, action on uh, moved by Vice Chair Wong, seconded by Member Schmidt. I think it reads better to say to find that Planning Director Rich Hillis and the Planning Department are in violation of. Um, and on the top of 13, um, correspondence from 2006 to 2009 and ordering the department to supply the responsive records to the petitioner within five business days. Um, uh, that, Member Pilpel, just before yeah. you continue, are, are you, so these seem to be edits you're making to the motions. My concern would be that we've already approved meeting minutes. That's what have the, the wording of the motions as they are. And so if we I, adjust them, they're not going to be. I, I'm, I'm happy for the ones that are back in history to not have those. Yeah, I, I would change yeah. that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I recognize that. Um, so I would caution against that. Just okay, so. that's that's cool on those. I'm good with that. Um, and in short order, we won't be dealing with orders from correct. Yeah, that should be going away, and yeah. 1967 and all. Yeah, right, right. This is just catch up. Okay, some of those. Which is an excellent condiment, by the way. It is an excellent condiment. Yes. Okay. Um, so on the two from last month, um, I the the changes I was suggesting here are conforming to the minutes and one of the concerns I had is that the language in the action um, on at least the first uh, Robbie and Kramer uh, matter doesn't conform to the minutes and the order of the votes again doesn't conform so I think once we finalize the minutes then I think we just import that text into here and then everything kind of Agree. Yeah, they sh they should definitely match. Okay. So, sure. That's a good point. So, sure. I'll make sure that whenever we do the orders, that they match verbatim to what we have in the minutes. They should be in full agreement. Okay. So, with that understanding, I'm happy to um, move 
uh, approval, understanding that it's only it's that it's primarily on the October items and not with regard to the you'll sort it out. It's it's to approve. So that's to approve the orders so that they conform with the changes made in the meeting minutes. Yeah, what, what you said. Okay, okay. So that's the motion. Yes, we have a second on that motion. Or if not, any other edits? I'll second the motion. Okay, so seconded by Member Sugarman. Let's go ahead and open that up to public comment. If there's anyone who'd like to make public comment at this time, you can raise your hand by using the application to raise your hand. I have one hand raised. I will unmute them. Okay. Of the task force, it's only now that I've figured out how to uh, speak under public comment. Um, my name is Ann Trebeau, and I was only recently notified uh, about an oversight. Uh, and um, I'm asking that item 13 on your agenda tonight be moved up on your calendar. So, Mr. Bow, this was a, a public comment that you're not making on this item, but meant to make on item number one. Correct. I, I, I've been trying to figure out how to do public comment on, under this webinar system, and I finally figured it out just now. Okay, I'll, I'll allow you to go ahead and continue. Whatever comment you have, and then we'll include this item and we can see if the task force wants to revisit that. So go ahead and make your comment. Under general public comment, or no, you can just make it now. Yeah. Then... Okay. Um, a, about a year ago, a number of complaints were closed out in much the same way. I was given a short notice, um, and I said, "Okay, uh, you can close them out, no problem." I spoke to uh, Cheryl. I believe it was yesterday by phone, and she explained that this complaint, item number 13, which was filed in 2019, was an oversight. And I said, oh, okay, no problem. I'd like to continue with this case if I can. It's a legitimate complaint. And um, I would like, you know, for it to remain open. And Mr. Bo, if I may just pause you for a moment. We're, only, we're not gonna adjudicate that issue right now. It's purely on where you want it in the agenda. So if you're asking it to be heard earlier, Yes. You can comment on that, but I don't want, we don't want to get into the merits of it right now. Okay, no problem. I'm asking uh, that this um, item number 13 be moved up on the agenda. I have been sick lately and um, I, I will have to wait on the phone. And plus there's a time difference. Uh, I'm on the East Coast. So if you could please move it up on the agenda, I would appreciate it. Okay, thank you. We'll take that into consideration after we conclude with item number four. Thank you. All right, Vic, do we have any other public commenters for item number four? I see no other commenters. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close public comment on item number four. And Cheryl, when you're ready, we can take a vote on that. Member Pilpel? Aye. 
Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Highland, aye. Member Highland, aye. Uh, Member LaHood, absent. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Uh, two absent and eight in favor. Okay, so that motion has passed. Um, all right, I'll, I'll go back to item number one. Um, we heard from Ms. Trebeau requesting that her item, which is currently scheduled as item number 13, be moved up in the agenda. I don't know if any member has thoughts on that or wants to make a motion to that effect. Uh, member Highland here. Uh, Chair Yankee. Uh, what is this? Is this uh, an oversight? I mean, what's what's the history of this item? Uh, Cheryl, as you know it. could you talk to it? I believe this is just an administrative that's item. Called, that, that's it's just a basic closing of a complaint. We haven't had communication with her in like two and a half years. I see. But was this part of a batch of other complaints we had, that have been we, closed? Yes, we noticed? closed several of them, uh, like back in February, I think. There were 55 cases that were closed. And so why many was of them, Mr. Bo, many of them. Right. And this one, I thought we got it. I thought we got them all. So why is this one still out there? I. That's my question. I, it was just an oversight. I apologize. Okay. I just want to make sure that we haven't actually closed this. Right. Right. I, I don't think this particular one has been closed. Yet. No, it's left hasn't. out of the batch that. We had taken action on several months ago. Member Popo? I'm not sure that we need a motion. I think as chair, you can sort we of typically do. So just I understand. I, I was just going to say, I'm happy to hear this after item seven or eight um, at your discretion. If that works after 5, and just to be clear, uh, when we, this item does come up. We're considering closing. We're not hearing the merits. Of correct. It. Correct. Exactly. Okay, I'll make a motion to move agenda item 13 to be heard after agenda item 8. So it would become the new number 9 and then adjust each one down accordingly. Item 13 after what? After item number 8. So it would go the consent agenda item, then item 13, then we'd proceed as, as the rest of them are. Do we have a second? Uh, Member Highland will second. Okay. Sorry, so moved by Chair Yankee, seconded by Member Highland to make that Thanks. adjustment. Gotta be, gotta be quicker. Uh, do we have any public comment on that motion? Victor? Mr. Young, do we have any public comment? Um, anybody else would like to make public comment on the motion? Okay. Just note, I have unmuted uh, Mr. Bo, and this is only on the motion. Uh, no, Mr. Bo, you can't go again. We, I gave you your your minute, your time for for this item. Okay, thanks. She's going to speak now. Is that what you said? No, she already gave her public comment on item number one. We're not going to do a second round. So, so is there anyone else? Other public commenters. Hmm? We have no other public commenters. Victor Evan. <laughs> I can't see the screen. Uh, Administrator, do we have any other public commenters? There are no other hands raised at this time. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close public comment. Um, Cheryl, 
Um, make sure again that this motion appears in the minutes as item number under item number one. We, we went back to that. So let's go ahead and take a vote on that when you're ready. Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Member Highland? Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Anderson? Aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill? Absent. Member LaHood? Absent. Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Vice Chair Stein? Aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. One, two, three, four. Seven, eight, two apps, eight in favor and two absences. Okay. Thank you, Sheriff. So let's go ahead and move on to item number five. Item number five, remote public comment and participation at task force meetings. Okay, so this is just a quick update discussion item. Um, I was able to speak to Angela Cavillo, who's the clerk of the board, um, about the, the task force's uh, you know, preference for remote public comment and participation. As I'm sure everyone has heard by now, the, the Board of Supervisors has elected to end remote public comment in their meetings. Um, however, um, Ms. Calvillo was, was very gracious in recognizing our desire to have that continue at our meetings and is at this time going to take necessary actions so that we can continue to hold our meetings in this type of hybrid format. Um, so unless we hear Anything differently from her, um, we can continue to offer remote public comment at, at our task force meetings and our committee meetings. So we'll continue status quo. So I don't know if anyone has thoughts on that, but Comments. that's right. Member Wolf. Yeah, I just want to uh, remind us that prior to the pandemic for well over a decade, uh, we've allowed um, some form of hybrid uh, meeting where we uh, allowed folks who wanted to appear anonymously or had uh, needed an accommodation to attend by phone. So it's, you know, so it's pretty much our precedent to allow a hybrid type of meeting. That's a good point, yes. And this obviously extends as well to, to public commenters, not just the participants in the meeting. And, and just one, one last item on this is that uh, I think it also helps, you know, with respondents also being able to attend uh, without having to trudge down to City Hall if their office is somewhere else. And we like for them to show up at a meeting. So any way to facilitate their participation is helpful. Absolutely, I agree. And I informed, you know, Ms. Calvillo of that as well, that it's, you know, we, it's a, it's a big ask for both the petitioners and the respondents to, to sit through our lengthy meetings. And I know um, doing so from other locations, be at home or, or wherever else is much more, can be much more conducive to them being able to participate. And the more participation we can get, the better we can hear our items and the less often I think we need to continue items. So I think in a way it actually helps address our backlog. Remember Pilpel? Um, yes. The two. Uh, DCA Collins. Um, 
there were a couple of uh, Brown Act bills earlier uh, this year that I was tracking, and I apologize, I don't have the bill numbers uh, with me, and I'm not sure if any of them passed. Maybe we can check in uh, later. I wanted to know if any of those uh, passed, because those would impact uh, a lot of things. Um, and I'm just going to personally follow that because there, there was some, the point is there was some effort in Sacramento to amend the Brown Act to either allow or require or prohibit um, remote access under certain circumstances. Um, and again, I'm not sure that any of that moved this time, but it's a kind of a continuing discussion. Clearly, we've shown that this can work. But there are concerns statewide about um, whether to require it, allow it, prohibit it under uh, various circumstances, primarily for decision making bodies and particularly those in large jurisdictions that have to travel great distances. Anyway, there's there's a lot happening there or not happening, but there's a lot of discussion. So maybe if we can follow up on that um, and figure out what happened there, um, that would be good. It, it may and not me, it's just us right now, yeah. but it may in the in the future. Right, and and that's a good point. And so perhaps that would be something EOT could perhaps look at. And then if there is some change to report back, you could educate all of us. Yes, I I think it's agreed that we like the idea here and generally, and that it's a good thing. And it's unfortunate that not everyone thinks like us. If we could work on that, yeah. Anyway, thanks. Anyone else, uh, Member Sugarman? Yes, I realize that this is just a discussion on what what has happened and what we plan on doing. Um, the last time I was president, we discussed several different models of what this might look like for us. And I just had a question about um, specifically with the comment on being able to do this while remotely um, makes sense to me. It, will we be allowing this anonymously? Yes. Okay. So participants um, can comment anonymously, or they could even file a complaint anonymously. We've always, as member Wolf spoke to um, in the past, even before we had a, you know, pre COVID, we'll say um, we've offered folks who made their complaints anonymously, the ability to call in so they didn't have to appear in person or, or put their name or, you know, appearance to the complaint that they made. Okay, <laughs> we, we, we had a lot of anonymous complaints. I think most of them are, are cleared out, but you, you may have missed that era, but that, that was the thing. No, I read about, I read about the okay. anonymous yeah. complainer, like specifically, yeah. um, I, I was, I was more not spe speaking to anonymous complaints. I ob obviously people who are complaining anonymously have to make, if they're making remote comments have to be doing so anonymously right. as well. Um, I was more concerned about more random sort of sort of the impetus of why this came before the board to begin with um and having commenters who came who came in anonymously and had incendiary things to say mm -hmm. which i think is a, a valid concern not that that public comment ends remotely but that it potentially had some revision on how it was done to put in some safeguards around that mm -hmm. Essentially, yeah, at, at this point, I don't think we have any additional safeguards. Obviously, um, we have Victor who, who, you know, works on controlling that the, the call in line. And certainly if anything goes against our meeting, the quorum, they can, you know, disconnect or mute that that public commenter. Member Schmidt, I, I want to refer to um, uh, member Sugarman's comment because 
Remember, Sugarman is talking about anonymous public com commenters, which is a different category than anonymous parties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think that there's not a problem that is presented and, and it's something that's been allowed when you're talking about anonymous parties to complaints. But I don't think that necessarily means that uh, we should simply rubber, rubber stamp the idea that anybody who wants to come in and uh, give public comment anonymously, that that too has the same value as the first. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that I have a strong feeling about this, but I think it's the concern that the Board of Supervisors had also. Yeah, and certainly if, if anyone has concerns with the way this plays out as we continue on, and we can always bring this back up and ask the clerk to modify accordingly. I mean, it's, it's in, a, in a way in our purview, I know we have to work with the clerk of the board. And so um, I think they're very gracious to allow us the most permissive version of this. But if we feel it needs to be somehow restricted, that's something we can certainly discuss and request in the future. Mr. Chair. Uh, Member Wolf. Yeah, I just want to expand a little bit on what uh, Member Schmidt was uh, mentioning um, with regards to gen like general public commenters uh, commenting anonymously. If they're in person in the room, there's no requirement for them to announce or I identify themselves when they come to the podium. Uh, nothing in the ordinance requires that, nor does it require them to sign in uh, to the meeting to also identify themselves. So. You know, it's kind of interesting whether they come into the building and fire off uh, incendiary language, which of which they would probably um, be detained for or removed from the room for. Uh, but I, I'm just wondering how that falls in line with it being online. What what is the difference at that point? And I took it's I I have my own thoughts about it. I'm just maybe making a rhetorical question, not necessarily uh, requiring an answer unless somebody wants to. Member Sugarman? Um, I think the difference uh, is that if someone is in person, and even if they're doing it anonymously, there's still a different level of consequence to showing your face and presence in, uh, in physical form. And to the point where you are registering your name to do so remotely, it's, I, I think the intention is to apply the, that same weight as appearing in person anonymously. That's all. Okay, any other comments on this it's discussion? Items, there's no action we need to take on this, but if not, we'll go ahead and open this up to public comment. Hey, taking a look, I'm going to ask that anybody who would like to make public comment raise their hand at this time by pressing star three if you're on the phone, otherwise use the application to raise your hand. We have one caller. Hello, uh, this is Michael Petrellis calling in. I'm uh, glad you're having this discussion about um, public comment, especially remote public comment. 
And um, as you're well aware, I am making remote public comment because I cannot be there today. Um, long story short, I've had to uh, be home uh, for reasons to communicate with um, my, my medical folks at UCSF. So it is a real benefit to me today um, as it has been in the past uh, that I can call in. And um, I, I hope that um, uh, you all will um, convey your discussions about public comment um, and whatever decisions you make that you convey this to the Board of Supervisors uh, because I am uh, one of the folks who's um, very unhappy that they have stopped, completely halted remote public comment. Uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Petrellis. Do we have any other public commenters, Victor? I do not see any additional hands raised. Oh, one more. I think it's uh, great that. Sorry, my apologies. Sorry, it's just too many people raising and lowering their hands, and it's confusing the issue. Okay. Okay, yeah, Miss Crow, you may begin. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. I okay. Um, I think it's great that you allow for remote public comment. And I think it's um, wonderful that a person can comment anonymously. Sure, a person's coming in in person, their demeanor, the way they talk, and so does add a lot of weight to whatever it is they're saying, and they would suffer consequences if they were abusive or whatever. But um, not every state has the these types of uh, things. New York doesn't have anything like that. So uh, I think you guys are working on a wonderful thing. Okay, thank you for your comments. Victor, do we have any other public commenters? That completes our, our list of public commenters. Okay, thank you. I will go ahead and close public comment on this item. Um, um, Member Popel. Yeah, just uh, very briefly, uh, two follow-ups. Um, I did participate this morning in um, remote public comment on a meeting held in um, Washington state. So, you know, it's still out there. It, it works and that's cool. Um, and to Mr. Petrellis's point, um, I think it is worth us um, sending a follow-up communication to the board, but I wouldn't do that right now. I would wait a few months and see what the level of participation and, and thought is um, here. And then maybe a, a little reminder to the board in a few months saying that we're still hearing people who support public remote public comment and you know we're interested in finding a way to thread that needle but let's let's wait a little bit on that but i i take his comment thanks thank you member Popo. yeah and mr patrellis i'd note that um we we did send a a letter that i know the task force worked several meetings on and several other folks here participated on to the board um to try to um, urge them to to continue remote public comment at their meetings. Obviously, that that didn't happen, but um, I do thank the clerk's office staff for allowing us to continue that here. I know that's extra work for all of them, and it's much appreciated. Okay, I think we move on to item number six. 
Item number six, administrators report complaints and communications. So my administrator's report is um, is uh, we don't have that many new cases. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, the hearing schedule today's date November first is the first item on the list, and I have gone through to March twenty sixth, two thousand four. So I've outlined when you know uh, when the next uh, committee meetings would take place and task force meetings. Um, Item number one, as of October 24, there was one new petition complaint. Cheryl, before, while we're still on the, the hearing schedule, if I may, um, first of all, it appears that on the listing you gave compliance and amendments is listed twice for December 19th. So if you can okay. fix that just so it's not confusing to anyone. Um, and then I wanted to give member Anderson the ability or the, the chance to express her interest in any committees that she may want to join um, so we can we can do that some member Anderson do you have any preferences or um no I don't have a preference <laughs> at this point but I'll take advice <laughs> on what my preference should be um I don't know if any of the the chairs want to make a pitch for their committees, I know we have member Pilpel who's serving currently on 2 committees, um, so he can certainly. Actually, I have some advice 1st, as, as another new member, go ahead. Member. <laughs> um, just that, um, take your time. <laughs> I haven't actually started on the complaint committee yet, <laughs> but it was a discussion that came up quite immediately. So, if the, if the board allows it, I would say. Discuss it and then come back and tell them the next meeting if that's allowed. Sure, I mean, there's no. No rush if you don't have any preferences now. You can certainly let me know. I definitely will. If and when you do, yep, sounds good. All right. Thank you very much for your advice. <laughs> are, are you okay uh, still on the complaint? Oh no, I'm still okay with. You're still okay. I, yes, I'm. I'm very. I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm getting okay. the members on this side of the table, so you okay. know I'm really happy to. Well, that's you know, get the, it's over there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, but it was it was fast is all. So just take your time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, member Popo? Yeah, uh, two points on that to uh, uh, Member Anderson. You may want to um, either attend in person or online the complaint and EOT meetings in November just to see what those are like and if you don't run away fast enough. Yeah, uh, some of us believe that you may well be interested in the Compliance and Amendments Committee, but we'll let you find your place Thank in, you. in time. Thank you. Um, and then on the December listing, yes, that's on there twice. I would suggest actually putting for the second listing to actually list December 26th and say uh, rescheduled to December 19th so that when this appears next month, that it's very clear that the meeting on the 26th is not happening and was in fact affirmatively rescheduled to the 19th. I think that I, I think that's be. a good suggestion. So Cheryl, perhaps you can. Added as an item to you know change the second one to the December twentieth and put you know rescheduled to December nineteenth so it's very clear to anyone who's expecting that on the twenty sixth that it's really happening on the nineteenth. Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry. That was all I had on, on that. If you want to go ahead and continue with your report. Okay, Are we done with that. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm done with it. You can go ahead and continue with okay. me. Before I interrupted. 
So uh, the item right below that is the October 4, 2023. There was only one new complaint that was opened um, in October. So that was it. Um, and then the item that you guys are generally interested in, uh, pending petitions and complaints, the chart, I did uh, include a bottom row for um, total number totals. Um, and we have a totals uh, uh, column to the very right as well. So uh, we have a number of cases that are still waiting to go to committee. Some of those cases are cases that uh, I am I have sent out a second notice requesting initial records because I didn't get it when I when I first opened the case, and there's nothing I can do if after time they don't they don't show an interest, so we we close them out after a certain amount of time. Um, but right now there are quite a few that are open. Um, Uh, waiting, we have a number of cases that are waiting to be heard at the task force level. Um, decided by waiting, but waiting for ODs. Those are three cases from 22. Uh, three cases from 22 and one case from 23 are awaiting a compliance review. Um, awaiting, re let's see, SOTF review compliance. Um, three cases, and I think that's about it. Anybody have any questions? No, I'll just note that looks like this is the first time in several years that total number is under 100. So, while 98 is still a big number, it's two digits instead of three, and so that's progress, <laughs> I guess. Well, no, I mean, you know, I don't even think, I mean, we're under 100. Right, right. That's, I mean, yeah, I, I was looking back, and you know, a couple of years ago, we were at, I think, 160 some, if not 170 some. So, well, like I said, 98 is still a big number. It's, it's definitely moving in the right direction. Or people are solving their questions themselves. They don't need to come to us, <laughs> you know, which, which is great. If somebody can, um, you know, have their questions answered before they come to us, that's better for them. There's not time having to come before us and for preparation and documents and all that kind of stuff. So that's better for them if they can figure it out. I do get a lot of uh, phone calls from people saying, how do I get my documents from like public works? You know, I get a lot of phone calls for that and that's no problem. I have no problem telling people who they need to get in touch with. Um, so maybe that has something to do with the two in this past month that I've gotten a number of those calls. Okay, members, any questions, comments on this? Member Popal? Um I appreciate the bottom line uh, total, very good. Um, I may have some other minor suggestions for formatting and I will share them with uh, Jerry Yankee and um, Cheryl uh, at some point. It wasn't huge. Um, okay, fine. Thanks very much. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Uh, any public comment on this item? No, we're on uh, the administrator's report item number six. Yep. Um, just to uh, note, there were no public communications received from anybody outside of. Uh, the task force. So, um, so any public comment, Victor? Victor? I have one. I have unmuted them. Okay. 
Um, is that me? We can hear you. Victor, yes. hello. Uh, yeah, I think it's great that you you put a uh, uh, this out in the open so a person can see what the queue is, they can make their determination of about how long it will take for their complaint to be heard. And it's a little bit more information um, to make it easier for the petitioner to, uh, you know, to have an idea of when their case would be heard. So I like the way that that's put together. Thanks. Okay, thank you for your comment. Victor, do we have any other public comment? I do not have any additional hands raised. Sir, did you have public comment for this item? Sure you, you can this come up. My name is Mark Bruno. I have a brief, brief public comment that I believe I made in part the last one of your last meetings, and that is that uh, living here for 35 years and going perhaps on five occasions to different departments for public records requests, each department was different, and I've seen people um, talk about this here. So today I just got a response. It's not before the board from the building department. In response, um, sir, we're going to have general public comment at five. This is just on the administrator's report. This is just public comment on the administrator's report. Oh, okay. Well, the comment in terms of administrative report, perhaps, is that all the departments should be the same. It would be make make it easier for us in the public and perhaps for you to oversee this the sunshine law. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. That's a beautiful dream. <laughs> Do you have any other? I, okay. I think Victor said we're all set for online. So no, with no one else in the room, we'll go ahead and close public comment on item number six. Okay, and we are actually about five minutes ahead of schedule, so we'll take a five-minute recess because public comment can't be started until five o'clock for item number seven. So, quick five-minute break here.
Okay. Okay, we're back here at uh, 5.01 p.m. Um, everyone here is in the room and do we have Member Wolf still online with us? Cheryl? Yes. Okay, great. Perfect. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to item number seven. Item number seven, member, public comment. Members of the public may address Sunshine Ordinance Task Force on matters that are within the task force jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. Okay, I don't see anyone in the room here, so we'll go ahead and. We did? Okay, well, if he comes back, we can maybe take care. We said when he comes back, we'll find yeah. a way. Yeah. Yep. All right, so let's go ahead and move to the, the remote folks if they have any public comment. Uh, Victor, do we have any public commenters? If you'd like to make general public comment at this time or public comment at this time, you can raise your hand through the application, pressing star three, or otherwise use the application to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, can you just leave it raised? Uh, <laughs> it is blinking on and off for me, and I cannot do anything while it's turning on and off. I'm unmuting our caller. I don't know if, if my previous comments were considered public comment. Were they? Ms. Turbo, we can't hear you. Hello? We still can't hear you. Now we can hear you. Oh, okay. I don't know if my public comment previous comments were considered part of public comment. No, now's your chance. No, no that was general public comment. So if you have general yeah, public comment, not on an item, specific item, you can go ahead and make that now. Yeah, I I spent some time in front of the task force a number of years ago, and the skills that I learned on my own through trial and error kind of helped me in other aspects of my life. And I know that uh, petitioners they get frustrated. They want to give up their long wait times and all this and that. But you guys that have your um, complaints pending can understand that when you go through this process, you, it helps you in other aspects, especially litigation, legal matters, things like that. So don't give up. Just try to see it through and get the documents or the um, be allowed to make public comment because that's your right. That's it. I'm done. Okay. Thank you for your comments. Victor, do we have any other public commenters? I see no additional hands raised at this time. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment then. Um, understanding that we may reopen. We may reopen if, if the person shows back up. Okay, uh, let's move on to item number eight. Um, Mr. Bruno left the room. Okay. Sorry. Item number eight, consent agenda. The Sunshine Ordinance Task Force yeah. shall re it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be here. So okay. Go ahead, Cheryl. Okay. Okay. Sunshine Ordinance Task Force shall review file number 23080 to confirm the committee's findings regarding the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force jurisdiction. 
violations of the Sunshine Ordinance, Brown Act, or California Public Records Act, and if applicable to use to issue an order of determination and refer matters to a committee for monitoring. The complainant and respondent are not required to attend the November 1, 2023 Sunshine Task Force meeting, but may attend to provide testimony during the public comment period for this item related to the above listed determinations. File number 23080, complaint filed by Mark Bruno against Patrick Cannon and the Department of Building Inspection for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6721 by failing to provide public records in a timely and or complete manner. On October 17, 2023, the complaint committee moved that the records are public, there is jurisdiction, and afford the matter to the task force for inclusion on the consent calendar with a recommendation for a violation of 67.25 for the late response to the immediate disclosure request. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And I'll turn it over to the complaint chair folks in case they want to give a quick summary of this. You want a summary on a or just consent you know, matter? Just you know, just so we know what we're we're voting on. If there's any questions on it, yeah. Be, uh, be brief. Uh, the complainant uh, was requesting a set of photographs from the building department, and um, we we found that he needed to. Uh, make several requests over excessive time. Uh, and so there was a clear violation. I think that he eventually got most of what he wanted, but I think that the point being here, just that um, there's a violation. Uh, he wanted it uh, confirmed after coming into the complaint committee twice. Otherwise, straightforward. Uh, members, uh, Member Stein, anything else? I would just add he did eventually get everything that he wanted, but he got it very late, like a day or two before a hearing that he was part of um, around the conditions in his building. And so we're recommending a lateness violation and that we just agree to it. Okay, thank you. So, uh, members, do we have any motions to adopt the recommendation on the consent agenda? So moved. Okay, so moved by Member Anderson. Do we have a second? I'll second. second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Member Wolf will give it to you there. <laughs> okay, so moved by Member Anderson, seconded by Member Wolf to accept the recommendations and approve the consent agenda item. Do we have any public commenters on this item? Okay, just double checking. If you'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time by pressing star three. If you're on the telephone, otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I see no raised hands at this time. Okay, we'll go ahead and close public comment on this and then Cheryl, when you're ready, we can take our vote. Member Anderson? Aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Wolf? Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Hill? Absent. 
Member Hyland. Aye. Member Hyland, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood, absent. Vice Chair Stein. Aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. But uh, eight in favor and two absent. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Moving on, we are now going to hear item number 13, which we moved. So if you can call that item. Item number 13, closing pending complaint. Hearing to consider closing the following complaint file and dismissing it without prejudice pursuant to task force complaint procedure 7B. The file number is 20008, Ann versus the city attorney. Okay, um, so I believe we have Ms. Trebeau with us, so we'll go ahead and allow her to speak on this action. We'll do three minutes for this item. We are not hearing again the merits of this case. It's purely on the procedural motion to close it for lack of communication under complaint procedure 7B. So, Victor, if you wanted to allow Ms. Trebeau to speak, we can, we can do that now. Uh, she has been unmuted. Uh, members of the task force, my name is Ann Trebeau. Um, about a year ago, uh, it was exactly in December, I was in Washington, D.C. at the Library of Congress. Um, I got an email from Cheryl saying that they were going to close a number of uh, my complaints. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I'm not there. Uh, I have the option to refile if I want. Yes, that's fine. So. Um, it was a year ago. Um, I have had no contact with the task force because my understanding was that all these complaints were closed. Uh, three days ago, I got an email from Cheryl. I spoke to her by phone. She said uh, it was an oversight. And I said, okay, well, I reviewed the original complaint. It's legitimate. I think it should be titled uh, Dwight Moore of the city attorney's office. But nonetheless, um, I'm asking that this complaint uh, be remain open, that I would uh, appear at the uh, committee level and that at the full task force. I think that's uh, the whole thing. Okay, thank you, Mr. Bow. So, Mr. Rob, I just have a question for you since since you are here. Um, if we were to schedule this item at the next complaint committee hearing, would you be available for that, which would be in a few weeks here in November? Yeah. It, can I do it remotely? Yes, we're still allowing remote participation. Yeah, for sure. With pleasure. Okay, thank you. Um, just in case there's anyone from the city attorney's office, since they're the respondent here, I just want to offer them an equal opportunity to comment on this. Victor, do you know if there's anyone there from city attorney's office? I do office? not see any additional hands raised at this time. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, so members, I'll, I'll leave it to you how you want to handle this request. Um, uh, Member Highland here. Um, I'm wondering if the person that the original complaint was about is still in that position in the city. Yes, here. 
Okay. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Is our our, our admin's telling us no. Oh. So he with retired that, over a year ago. He retired over a year ago, apparently. Recently? Okay, yeah. Oh he's retired. That I see shaking heads. He has retired. Yeah. So he's he's no longer there, Mr. Trubo. So um would that affect your decision? No, actually, uh, it won't affect my uh, decision because it was a, a legitimate complaint. It okay, was that's all. That's fine. all I wanted to hear. That's fine. All right, thank you. Okay. okay. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I I wonder if uh, we could hear from the task force administrator on what are the circumstances here that bring us to this date with this complaint that's several years old um i we had i don't were you my, part of that uh was he, part, was he part of the task force when that whole list a little over a year ago we had a list of complaints that mr bow had filed but about 35 of them and we hadn't had any communication with her and in a year at least while those complaints were still open and so the decision was made to uh, close them due to lack of communication, which would be complaint procedure 7B. And this one uh, was an oversight. I apologize. Um, after uh, all of Ms. Trebeau's other complaints had been retired, uh, she did get in touch with me and said that she wanted to reopen them. I told her what the process was to do that. And then I, that was about a week after we had closed everything. And then I didn't hear from her. Was this one on the list? It's on our complaint log. It, but the list of 35 that was reviewed by us here. No, this number was the, the it, was, it was the one that wasn't included on that. Uh, it was the one that wasn't included. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no technical motion under 7B was made. It sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank I don't you. You know, if I handled the hearing because I had COVID around that time too. So okay. so the question, uh, Member Highland here, are there others that didn't make this list? Have you done a check since? I've checked, double checked, triple Just checked. I've made sure. All right. All right. So technically, Member Schmidt, this one hasn't had a, you know, any motion on it. So it's still alive, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So I think I think our intent to bring it before the complaint committee is probably and at that point Maybe she can address it to the new person or the department head or whatever she wants to do. And and I would note also, um, sure, when you make this agenda, it's actually complaint procedure nine, administrator's authority to table and close files for lack of communication. Um, 7B is when table. people don't show up to their scheduled hearing. So it's actually where you'd be considering this under nine, yeah. not 7B. Um, but nonetheless, you know, she, she's here and she's requesting that we do so. Um, if we proceed with this, Cheryl, um, I think we need to make sure that you don't send a notice out. We've had this issue before where you'll send notices out to an individual who's named who's no longer here anymore. So I think we need to make sure, and I think we've had that discussion before to make sure that there's some other contact person at the city attorney's office that gets notice of this. So yeah, they know they have to send someone if it's not this individual who was initially named. 
Um, and actually, uh, Member Highland here, before we, before we move on to that, I wonder if we can, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to know the history of, of this particular item. In other words, where, when was it last in committee? And it's quite possible that this was in committee. So this is a brand new item. This is a new item. It has never been before committee. How come? Um, it never made it in to our complaints committee. It never got no. that. Can we explain that? Can you tell us why? I. I mean, if I if I do a quick search on this file number, what's going to come up? Um, the materials for this particular file number have been included in the packet. I think you know, to, to to piggyback on what um, Member Highland's asking is, did we did you make an attempt to schedule this for a complaint committee hearing, or were we waiting for additional records, or what reason led to it not being? I mean, this is from 2020. So what what circumstances led to it back in 2020 never ma making it to a complaint committee hearing? Um, did Mr. Bo not show up, or did she say just not answer you when you tried to? She was not in communication with me at all. I understand she had some sort of personal issue that was making her having to stay in New York for almost a year. No. Because I see, you know, that, that she did communicate on February 5th. Um, so, I mean, did, did you send a notice out to her to schedule it some subsequent complaint? I, 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 uh, I mean, just ordinarily, I would expect that when we close something for lack of communication, we, we have a. A paper trail that shows that we tried to send a notice or we tried to, you know, make do outreach and I don't see anything here. I see. Communications from Ms. Trebeau. To you back in February, but I don't see any. Communications. Otherwise that that would indicate that she was unresponsive. Let me just. So, just want to make sure it is two triple zero eight, correct? That is the correct file number, right? Is there something coming up February 7th, 2022 with that file number? Sorry, Yankee, can you put me in the queue? Yeah, go ahead while we're. Looking go ahead, member Popo. Okay. Um, I just had 3 issues and I'm sure they overlap with other things that are. Being researched, even as we speak, um. From to Cherry Yankee mm -hmm. from the administrators report, would this be the, the 1, 2020 item that was a waiting committee potentially. Maybe I'm sure, sure would. the answer is maybe maybe. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, and then again. 
in the future when we've got an administrative action like this, if we can excerpt whatever the complaint procedure is and just put that in so we can see what the thing is. And ultimately, for me today, the question is, does it still meet whatever the procedural requirement is? And if Ms. Trebeau is now here and says, I'm with it, then maybe we don't need to take any action today and it'll just get scheduled at a committee and heard one way or the other and we'll be back here on the merits and we don't have to spend a whole lot more time on this tonight. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to your point, I think that the file is active until we say otherwise. Okay. Um, I think the concern is just to make sure how did this end up being flagged as it did. A, a non-communicative respondent and just to make sure that there's no one else being flagged as that. I think possibly what happened back then was that um, the other administrator, Victor Young, uh, initiated the closing of Mr. Bo's complaints. And I think what happened was since this one was so recent and close to the closing date, the decision was to keep it open. Okay. I mean, we hadn't heard anything from her. Okay. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I don't think there's an obligation if we haven't communicated, like we're setting this for a hearing date, as far as any, any petitioner would know, they don't, it's not like there's any obligation they have to check in with us every X amount of months to say, hey, still keep it open. They're expecting some communication after they submit something to us that we then in turn try to schedule it for a hearing. So if they don't hear from us, they may just assume that it's we're that backlog. So I just want to make sure that we have that outreach to them, that we're not just saying we have outreach to our to our petitioners and respondents when I get when I hear about a case and if they have supporting documentation. Right, which would she, and I'm looking at this file, Cheryl, and on 791, there's a letter from her. I mean, which is what I would consider the supporting documentation that we ordinarily see as part of a, a complaint dated February 12, 2022. Um, so to me, this looks like it was ready to go and be packaged up and go to a, a committee hearing. I just don't know why we wouldn't have sent, scheduled it on an agenda for it once we, open things back up after COVID. I just don't see some type of outreach saying, hey, we're starting to hear complaints again. Are you ready to go? And so that's my concern. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I I think that uh, Chair Yankee raised a point in that this sort of causes us to look at a broader issue, which is why do we have uh, these cases that are just sitting there in limbo and it seems like there is a reason for each one that there may be different reasons but i think that maybe as a task force this is something that literally falls through the cracks where these cases just sit there and I believe we should consider how it makes the task force look in it as in whether it's effective, whether it's doing its job. And I see that we still have uh, two cases from 2019 uh, that are on the chart. I see three from 2025 from 2021. I won't continue. Uh, to me, 
there should be this task force should be looking at those and closing them out getting them done with there is a value to finality and it it conveys a message to the public if we have these cases that are four years old that this this is this can be an endless process so that was somewhat of a speech on the item but i do think it is something that continues to be a concern of mine thank you member schmidt um member popo so again uh, unless there's some other information that i don't have if mr bow is back with the program and um, wants to have this thing heard on the merits, then I would suggest we either take no action today or take an action that makes that happen and get this scheduled at some committee in November or December and back here um, in whatever form it comes back here on the merits. And let's just move on. Uh, Chair Yankee, we have a, a complaint committee hearing uh, draft I'd be happy to put it on our committee for, for this month. I'm I'm open to that. I, I think it's, it's a great a, idea. I, I mean, perhaps Member Schmidt yeah, make a motion so that we affirmatively yeah. take a, a position that we're going okay. to put it on that one. Yeah, it, despite the fact that I have a concern about these old cases, I am open to getting this one done. And uh, I would make a motion that we actually add it to this month's uh agenda and uh, this is uh victor uh i can since i am working on that draft right now i can say i will add that to the draft agenda i would just like to get con verbal confirmation from the complainant on this uh scheduling that's fine that's fine no, no. so that's that's my motion what it's date just, what date is that he wants victor. to hear from her that she's okay with that date. Got, 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 that. got it i yeah i just want to Thank you, Victor. I just want to say my that's my motion. That's all it is. So take it away. Okay, so it's moved by Member Schmidt to schedule this item for hearing at the complaint committee in November. And that would be um 21st. The 21st? The 21st of November. Um do we have a second on that? We can just triple check then after that that Ms. Trebo's available. But do we have a second on that motion? Member Stein, I'll second. Okay, so seconded by Vice Chair Stein. Um, Mr. Bo, would you be available then just to Triple check with you, November 21st, complaint committee hearing. You could participate remotely. Yeah, absolutely. With pleasure. Okay, great. So I think we're all on the same page. We're going to hear it then. Um, 5.30 Pacific time. 5.30 Pacific time. Yep. Okay, so I think we're ready to move on here. Let's go ahead and open this up to public comment. Yes, if any members of the public like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time. By pressing star three, you're on the phone, or otherwise using the application to raise your hand. I see no public comment. All right, thank you, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll reopen it for you when we get that. Yeah. Okay, so I don't see any other public comment on this particular item, item number 13. So I think we can go ahead and move to a vote on that motion. Sure, when you're ready. Uh, Member Schmidt. Oh, uh, Member Wolf, did you have a comment? Yeah, just um, we had uh, moved this to item number nine. So it's not item 13 anymore. Right, it's item 13, it's now item number nine. Um, Chair 
uh, to Yankee. Uh, I guess I would suggest keeping the order, the numbering on our agendas and minutes the same. Otherwise, it can be very confusing. Right, right. I, I think we should still keep it as item 13. We're just hearing item 13 out of order. That's right. Yeah. But I don't think we need to actually renumber them all. I think I, I agree with you, Victor. You ready for the Member Schmidt? Aye. Member Schmidt, I'm Vice Chair Stein. Aye. Vice Chair Stein, I'm Member Anderson. Aye. Member Anderson, I'm Member Pilpel. Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman. Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member LaHood, absent. Chair Yankee. Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Eight in favor, two absent. Okay, so that motion is passed. I think we're ready to conclude this item and move on. Um, my understanding is we had someone who intended to make general public comment as part of item number seven. Um, we had recessed briefly and come back, and I don't think he was able to join us when we returned. So I will reopen item number seven, general public comment, so that he may address us. Um, sir, you're ready. And I'll, after you're complete, I'll reopen it just in, in you know, for fairness to anyone online who may have missed this as well. Is this for two minutes or three minutes? This is for three minutes. So um, before I started wasting my three minutes, can I just show you that I have a computer to my computer to like a hotspot mobile to show you what I received? Uh, excuse me, I can't hear it on the mic. Can you make sure the audio mic is on? Sorry, Victor, I apologize. So I'll start now. So um, I'm just opening this. It says here, Hannon from the building department. Sunshine request. That's you guys, Sunshine. And it should uh, be point, point of order, uh, Mr. Bruno. This can't be about something already on the well I, on the agenda. This is general public comment. Yeah. On items not on the agenda. This is not on the agenda. Okay. So so just the, if this refers to the, Mr. Uh, if, excuse me. It, not, and let me finish, please. If this refers to item number six, the case that we just it heard. It does not refer to item number six. Right. Okay. Proceed. Not remotely. Proceed. There's a building department in our city. Perhaps we all know they just spent $239 million on a building, one of the largest buildings and most expensive, but they seem to not be able to spend it on their Sunshine Request office because I already had a problem with them, item number six. That was from one month ago. And then today, I have another problem, which duplicates the first problem. Is that really the first problem also? No, it shows what we, you all just were talking about, that there's an aspect of this uh, process which is ineffectual. So back a month ago, he's just doing the same thing he did again, which is discouraging the public, whether he means to or not, Mr. Hannon and the Sunshine Office, the building department, from asking questions. I, you probably know I was just at the, uh, the Board of Appeals. This is what I was expecting to have today for my testimony there. Did I have it? No. Did the librarian at the North Beach Branch Library today try to open this supposedly accessible, publicly accessible uh, uh, information? Yes. He tried to open it, but couldn't, which was part of the process before. So you all could get into the weeds, even though it sounds minor. You could, for instance, since you want to be more effectual, say that for people like Mr. Bruno, who don't have access to uh, San Francisco Next Request, which your own librarian at the San Francisco Public Library couldn't open either last time nor this time, that maybe the building department should be asked to send things by PDF as well. 
and or since it's already in the sunshine ordinance, if they say, which he does here, this is a huge item. It couldn't have been a huge item. So we had a miscommunication about what I needed. It was only one visit by one plumbing inspector on one day. How big could it be? I mean, my complaint was that he never came to my apartment and he never uh, saw another person's apartment, Paul on the first floor, whose first and only language is Chinese. But I, I was able to find out he wasn't even there on the day of this inspection. So how big could this so-called huge file be? It must be that Mr. Hannon honestly misunderstood what I was asking for. Could only be one page. But even if it was 20 pages and I had the right to have it, perhaps, for this hearing, it should be sent to the public in a way that makes sense and makes it accessible, not inaccessible. Again, not only to the public, but to the chief librarian at the North Beach Library. So if you want to help all of us in the public not become discouraged from uh, participating in the Sunshine uh, Ordinance process or any public disclosure process, one way to do it would be to tell the re respondents to send items in ways that make sense, like a PDF, or if there's confusion, and it says this already in the ordinance, I believe, words to this effect, if there's some debate over what Mr. Bruno wanted, then just go ask him by email. That was never done. So again, obstruction, that's what this was about. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Okay, Victor, just so anyone else has the same opportunity that Mr. Bruno had, do we have any other folks who may have missed our reopening of our, our initial hearing of public comment as part of item number seven online? So anyone who may have wanted to make general public comment as part of item number seven, if you could raise your hand and if you did not have the opportunity to do so when we first heard this item. And Victor, any hands? Victor? <laughs> you might be on mute, we can't hear you. Victor, I think you're still muted. Cheryl, do you see any hands? <laughs> no, I don't see any hands, and I think he may have. I see. Um, I see him unmuted. Victor, you're muted. <laughs> oh, I think he uh, logged off and he's going to log back up. Okay, but if we're not seeing any hands, we'll go ahead and, and, and close this. Um, if someone had technical difficulties during this, we can look at that later. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on with the agenda. I think we're on item number nine, well, the original item number nine. You ready? Mm-hmm. Item number nine, file number 22057, complaint filed by Cillian Bizanski against Sean Borisson and the planning department for allegedly violating a public California Public Records Act section 6254 C as in cat, K as in kite, okay. regarding failure to redact personal contact information. 
On August 23rd, 2022, the Compliance and Amendments Committee moved by Chair LaHood, seconded by member neighbors to find jurisdiction, the records are public, and to send the matter to the task force for hearing with a request for advice from our Deputy City Attorney. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. And I believe we have one of our DCAs on the line who will brief us on the research that he did um, regarding this. But before we get to that, let's see if Mr. Bajanski and someone from the planning department is with us tonight. If you are part of this matter, if you can raise your hand. Welcome back to my. Good evening, uh, members of the task force. This is Michelle Deeb on behalf of the uh, San Francisco City Attorney's Office. Okay, thank you, Mr. Deep, for joining us tonight. And then do we have, I, I didn't hear everyone else. Who do we have? Do we have Mr. Pachansky or someone from planning? Yes, I'm here. Gillian Bajansky. Okay, thank you for joining us tonight. And do we have someone from planning? Do I think uh, uh, Mr. Ionan. He has his hands right there and now he's on the Okay, so what do we have from planning? I'm sorry. Can you I, like Jonas is, is, is he there? He's, I just want to make sure I hear from I'm him. Here. I think you've you've moved me into a panelist. So okay, great. So I think everyone's here. Um this was heard by the compliance and amendments committee. Um so Member LaHood is not with us tonight. Do we have, I don't know who else may have been at that meeting. Do you know anyone? Let me do a quick check to see who may have been there. This was a year ago. It was a year ago, yes. So let me see, this is August 23rd. Which member Wolf might have been? Let's see, 23rd. I'm bringing up my notes. Yeah, let's see. Nope, actually, this was Member LaHood, Vice Chair Wong, and Member Neighbors. So none of them obviously are here tonight. So uh, we don't have any uh, one to give us a quick update on this. So let's just do this. We'll start with our um, petitioner. We'll give him five minutes to go. Uh, we'll move on to the respondent, and then I will ask the DCA to weigh in after we hear the initial presentations. Uh, so let's start with Mr. Bajanski. So sure when you're ready. I'm sorry. Uh, before we start, uh, who is actually from the respondent? I didn't know. Um, is it possible for him to introduce himself so I know who to address? Jonas Ionen. Jonas Ionen. Where is he? Is he going to say something or no? I'm here, Mr. Bajanski. All right. Hi, John. Sounds good. Um, well, actually, the, 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 all right, go ahead. Five minutes, John. Go ahead, sir. Okay. So those are the three minutes or five minutes that I have. Five minutes. Five minutes. All right. Great. So, um, I'm not quite sure what's going on here because, um, I'm looking at another public request that have been, um, Towards um, tax uh, and treasury team, 
not really the one that uh, we are discussing today. And if we are look, if we look into the documents inside the agenda, it's most of the the documents are related to another public request that was filed towards the tax and treasure, not really towards the um, planning department. So I'm not sure how to continue here because, as I said, most of the documents I see here online as part of the package are um, are connected with the uh, tax and treasure. And I remember at some point there was an issue with redacting information and um, planning department, but I think, I believe uh, that was resolved um, and uh, the planning department apologized for the issue. And uh, I think we closed it. I'm not sure why we are having it again in the agenda. I thought we were discussing public request 22. Uh, 22-21-00, but um, yeah, I don't have anything to add. I'm not quite sure what exactly is the concern here. I think we should close up request right now. Okay, so Mr. Bajan, just to be clear, are you requesting to just go ahead and close 22057? Yes, please. Okay, so I think we can go ahead and, and actually just conclude this as is. Uh, we don't have to take any action on this. The um, petitioner has, by his own actions, closed this file. So Cheryl, please note the record that the petitioner has closed file 22057. Um, thank you, Mr. Ionin, for joining us tonight. And I think we're all set with this item. Um, so that's it? Well, wait, hold. Right, this could, isn't coming could we back perhaps, in any form. Could we perhaps hear briefly from Mr. Ionin if he has anything to share and the DCA if there's something relevant if there isn't they can say they have nothing to i mean share, I, but I, I, i'm hesitant to do so because this is a closed complaint we don't typically hear close as of right well, now it's now closed well i just want to hear from both of them that there's nothing else that's live here before we close it and then mr bajanski says in the future that he wants to real i want to just be sure that sure go ahead we're done with this if sure. in fact we're done with this well i don't want to waste your time i mean if mr bajanski is withdrawing his complaint then i'm happy with that Okay, thank you, Jonas. And but for the record, uh, this is Member Highland. I've heard Mr. Bajanski say this before, that we've conflated different files in the wrong files. I hate to say this, and I, I, I believe that's what he's trying to tell us again. So that's all I'm going to say on this. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, DCA Deeb, did you have... Anything germane to share? Uh, can you hear me? Yes. 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 Uh, I don't have anything further to add, uh, but the, this, uh, I just do want to say, well, let me just say that uh, complaint 22057, uh, I think this uh, gets them out of a, a separate complaint filed by Mr. Bajanski. So um, while it may have some documents related to, uh, I think the next met on the agenda, this was um, a specific complaint that was separate from um, the next complaint that I believe you're going to hear, uh, the next uh, agenda matter you're going to hear. Um, but since he's withdrawing his complaint, I have nothing to add. Okay, thank you. Um, since we did have this as an agenda item, I will open this up to public comment in the event that anyone just want to share public comment on this before we move on. 
Okay, if there's anybody who like to make public comment at this time, you can go ahead and raise your hand. I do not see any hands raised at this time. Okay, thanks, Victor. And I don't see anyone in the room, so we'll go ahead and close public comment. Note for the record that this complaint has been withdrawn and move on to item number 10. Item number 10, file number 23002, complaint filed by Celine Bazanski against Deborah Liu in the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6725, California Government Code Section 6253C as in CAT, by failing to respond to an immediate disclosure request in a timely and or complete manner. Okay, and Mr. Bazanski is obviously with us. Do we have someone here from the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector? Give me a moment. Yes, good evening. Okay, we can hear you and what's your name, sir? Uh, good evening, task force members. This is Christopher Terrell. I'm the assistant tax collector attorney with the uh, treasurer and tax collector's office. Great, thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Um, this went to compliance and amendments also, but this was on February 21st. Member Wolfrey, did you happen to be present at that one? I'm sorry, Member Wolf. I said, uh, please hold. I got to pull up a different file. Okay, sure. Uh, real estate on my screen. I'm sorry. No While you're looking that up, I will note that the Item had suggested this be combined with 22141. That was a, apparently an administrative error that when we heard 22141, that wasn't cross-referenced to hear these simultaneously. So um, we already heard 22141. Um, this should have been scheduled at the same time, but apparently I'm assuming Cheryl didn't mark the log for 22141 to flag to hear this at the same time. I have no... Uh notes to reflect anything specific about this. Uh, okay. So we can just move ahead. Okay. So this probably will be very similar to, for everyone to one that we already heard, but that ship has sailed. We're, we're here where we're at now. So um, we'll go ahead and hear this. Um, so five minutes for Mr. Bajanski. Uh, Cheryl, when you're ready. I'm ready. Mr. Bajanski, you ready to begin? Hello, sir. 
Give me a moment. Yes, I was not able to unmute myself, but um, hopefully you hear me now. Yes, we hear you. All right. Let me know when to begin. You ready, sir? I'm ready. Go ahead. Hello, my name is uh, Stylian Bezianski, and I would like to mention two things. Firstly, I'm not sure whether Mr. Uh, Terrell from uh, Treasure and Tax is aware of this complaint, but this marks my ninth complaint in the last four years concerning the tax and treasure, treasury team, largely for the same reasons. Some of the excuses I heard for delayed public records include not having adequate software for privacy reduction, insufficient personnel, to handle um, the request, excessive requests from the petitioner, a request containing extensive information that takes longer to process, and requests for information already publicly available. Additionally, due to COVID emergency and mayor's proclamation, the responder claimed that they had unlimited time to respond to public requests. The most common excuse was citing pending litigation, which resulted in significant delays due to attorney-client privilege. Out of the eight complaints I brought to sanction task force, violations were found on three of them. Regarding complaint, um, which one was that number? I will make sure I don't, um, I don't mistake them. Uh, this is first complaint. And, 23002. I submitted public request 20, uh, 222100 on April 7, 2022, and it was not closed until June 16, 2023, which is 71 days. To put that into a context, the local social ordinance set the response time for public request at 10 days, and California Government Code 6253C sets it to 24 days. As you can see, there is substantial delay in delivering these public requests. Secondly, I'm uh, well aware that Sunshine Task Force Ordinance does not have, a, have any executive power. Nevertheless, I will continue to raise those complaints because there is a significant advertising suggesting the local ordinances are superior to the state laws. Perhaps they are, but so far I have not witnessed anything better, especially concerning the timing of releasing public, public records. Uh, that's all. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, sir. Um, are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? And hearing that there's no hands, we'll go ahead and move on to the respondent. So, Cheryl, when you're ready, please let Mr. Terrell know when he may begin. Are you ready to begin, sir? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Good evening, honorable task force members. Uh, initially, I believe the complainant has his dates mixed up. The complaint at issue here uh, pertains to a public record act request submitted to the office of the treasurer and the tax collector on December 8th, 2022. Petitioner submitted this as an immediate disclosure request. Um, that same day, our staff requested the IT section to pull any responsive records. Over 350 responsive emails were uh, returned as potentially responsive um, with the attachments that number exceeded 500 documents in total. 
Therefore, we responded the following day to uh, the petitioner that because the request was not simple, routine, or otherwise readily answerable, that we would not be able to provide all responsive records uh, within the same uh, business day. Uh, our staff then began quickly working to review, sort, and redact uh, the responsive records. Um, as the materials that we submitted show, our staff spent a significant amount of time responding to this request over 45 hours in total. Um, and ultimately, the total number of items released to the requester was 257 documents. Uh, we treat uh, the petitioner's request just as with any other petitioner's request. Um, we immediately begin uh, the process of reviewing and redacting the records. Unfortunately, uh, the petitioner always submits these requests as uh, immediate disclosure requests, and there are almost uh, always records that total in the hundreds, if not thousands of responsive records. So our staff works to respond as quickly as possible. And uh, as with many other uh, complaints that this committee has reviewed, we request that there be found no violation. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Do we have any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? And not hearing that there are any, uh, members, if you have any questions, now's the time. I just have. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Member Sugarman, I just have one logistical question. Um, how long would the process take if it wasn't an IDR? Uh, I, I believe that that question is directed at me. Um, I, I, we. We treat we treat all requests exactly the same, so it just depends entirely on how many requests. Um, have come in at any given time and how many responsive records our staff are uh, attempting to review and sort and redact at any given time. In other words, I can't give a, I can't give a firm answer to that question. It just depends on how many requests are active at any given time. Well. Does that address or do you have a follow up on that? Um, yes, actually, um, I, and I realize that this person has filed many complaints, so I apologize if this is, uh, I don't know it's, if, it's, if it's a little routine, but uh, it seems like um, without a specific timeline to be given, then, then uh, what other remedy would they have to sanction, like say, for example, it took like six months or something to come back with? I mean, is, is there any other way that this person can go about getting uh, a, an efficient response timeline, if not through the IDR process? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, again, I, I'm not sure how to exactly respond to that question because each time that this petitioner submits a public record request, the number of responsive records will vary and the, uh, the context of the records will vary. Sometimes the records um, contain a huge number of taxpayer confidential uh, records, which must be sorted very carefully and redacted accordingly in order to preserve the confidentiality of other taxpayers. In other cases, the documents are simply documents that this uh, petitioner has either submitted himself, emails that he's submitted either to TTX or to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force and that he is already in possession of. Uh, the petitioner has uh, demanded that we redact his personal information from those uh, records that he has submitted himself. We thus must go through them very carefully to make sure that his email address, 
uh, any personal contact information is properly redacted, uh, and we take this we take this very seriously. Um, so the documents go through multiple layers of review. The staff reviews them, and then we have uh, one of the attorneys. Uh, make sure that all the redactions are appropriately keyed. We provide a citation to the appropriate redaction reason for each each redaction within the document, and we also summarize the redactions uh, with each rolling response um, that we provide to the requester. Um, so, in short, we do our best to respond as quickly as possible. Um, there have been occasions where the number of records have been small enough that we have been able to respond um, with all responsive records by the next business day. Um, but in most cases, there are multiple hundreds or thousands of records that must be reviewed by staff. And again, we are a large department and we have multiple requests that are always open at any given time. Um, but we do not treat petitioner any differently than any other requester. We treat him seriously and we respond to the requests as quickly as we are able to. Thank you. That does answer my question. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Member Copel? Um, yeah, a couple of things. I was going to suggest a, a different version of a response, but I think that makes sense um, to, to Member Sugarman. Um, on this particular uh, complaint, I do not know uh, Ms. Liu, Mr. Terrell, or Ms. Sachs, but I will just say I am um, pretty impressed with the eight-page response starting on page 173 uh, of the packet. Um, I think this documents to a much greater degree than I've seen from most other departments the level of effort that um, they put in uh, to this particular case. Um, I'm open to persuasion, but at this point, I am pretty satisfied that there's no uh, violation here. And I think, frankly, this is a good example of... Uh, uh, Member Popo, we're not in deliberations yet. So this is oh, just for questions to the respondents. Like I said, I have no questions right now, and I will hold this for a moment. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Member Schmidt. Never mind. I have a question. <laughs> Now's the time. Go for it. <laughs> uh, question to Mr. Bajanski. The claim that we're seeing here, a lot of it involves um, whether there was an obligation of the department to redact your information from paperwork that they were giving to you. And I, I can't quite find what part of the law that we are looking at here would that violate if they do that in, in essence you're getting more information that as opposed to less so getting too much information how does that violate the sunshine ordinance or state law um I mean, why are we going back to uh, reduction? This um, specific complaint is about timing. Um, and you're bringing up redaction because it was re requested as part of the public request. And I don't have any complaint about if they want to, I mean, in terms of the reduction, I, I don't have any concerns in this particular complaint. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Right. Member Wolf, go ahead. 
Yeah, um, Mr. Vijansky, um, when did you receive um, a response to your IDR from TTX? Uh, you mean the first response or like the multiple response or when, when you when you sent your your IDR your mm -hmm. initial IDR mm -hmm. uh, when did you get a response from them any response within forty eight hours within which 40. is yeah which is within the uh, within the prescript prescription uh, with within the guidance of the uh, immediate public request, I think, unless it has changed, which I'm not aware of. Okay. Um, and um, I'm sorry, who is the respondent? Your name again, please? It's Christopher Terrell. Okay, Mr. Terrell, thank you. Um, and uh, when did uh, the department uh, respond to, uh, to the IDR? You mean, when did we provide our initial response to Mr. Bajansky? Yeah, your your first response. To yes, so I don't have the timestamps here in front of me. I can track them down if you'd like. The request was submitted on December 8th and we received our uh, IT um, responsive records on De uh, December 9th and we replied that same day to petitioner that the request could not be um, provided within a single day or within two business days. Uh, okay, but uh, I'm just I'm just looking for whenever you responded, not asking if you provided any records or not, just your response. Yes, we responded on December 9th. On December 9th. Okay, great. And uh, my next question is, have you re reviewed the, the response in the record here today from Ms. Liu, the custodian record before coming to the meeting? Yes, I have. Okay. And um, are you familiar with um, admin code 6725 uh, that, op that makes IDRs operational? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask in uh, Roman numeral number two, you say that the Petitioner's Public Records Act request was labeled uh, immediate disclosure request, was not simple, routine, or otherwise readily answerable. Um, why, I, I'm just wondering where you feel that that is not, or not applicable under Sunshine. Uh, could you, could you repeat that exactly? You're asking me where in 67.25a it states that the request is not simple routine or otherwise readily answerable? Uh, sure, go ahead. Uh, so 67 point as, as you are well aware, 67.25a states that uh, a, a request that is submitted and labeled an immediate disclosure request shall be responded to uh, no later than the close of business uh, of the day following the day of the request. Um, however, maximum deadlines are appropriate for more extensive or demanding requests. Um, but shall not be used according to the language of the statute to delay fulfilling a simple routine or otherwise readily, readily answerable request. In this case, there were over 500 responsive records. Therefore, it was not simple routine or otherwise readily answerable. Therefore, we were unable to provide all responsive records to the requester by the, the close of the day, business day following his request. Okay. And um, did you, 
continue to provide them on an incremental or rolling basis? Yes, that is correct. We provided our first production to the requester on December 16th and then provided weekly uh, rolling responses um, uh, for each week subsequently to January 27th, 2023, at which time we had provided all responsive records. Thank you. I have nothing more at this moment. Thank you. Any other questions, members? Okay, I think we can move to rebuttals then. So we'll go in the reverse order with Mr. Terrell being provided for his three minutes, and then we'll move on to Mr. Bajanski for three minutes. So, Cheryl, when you're ready. Are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Uh, we have no rebuttal beyond what we've stated here in our papers. Uh, Mr. Bajanski is entitled to submit the public records requests that he does, and we treat him seriously and respond to them as quickly as we are able. Um, each complaint uh, that he submitted is revolves around this question of whether the request is uh, an IDR and whether we've responded appropriately. Um, as I think we've identified in our papers, we simply don't have the staff or ability to review over 500 records and carefully redact them for all of the reasons that we are required to do so within one business day. Um, therefore, we responded as quickly as possible. Um, I have nothing further. Thank you, Mr. Terrell and Cheryl. When you're ready, please let uh, Mr. Pajanski know when he may begin. You ready, sir? Yes, I'm ready. So, um, yes, um, just as a rebuttal, um, we, I never expected the uh, treasury and tax to reply within 48 hours with all those documents, but I would expect them to reply at least within the timeline set in the Sunshine Task Force, uh, Ordinary Task Force, which is 10 days or within the California state laws, which is 24 days. Um, and in case, in this particular uh, public request, um, the actual uh, time is 50 days. Um, I just double checked. Um, and 50 days is well above um, any limits set by the local ordinance and set by the state law. So I think uh, this particular one is in violation. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Majinski. So, members um, and Member Pilpel, now's our time to deliberate. Yes, uh, Member Pilpel, who was um, out of order earlier, and I apologize, therefore. So, uh, what I was uh, starting to say is I do not know uh, Ms. Liu, Mr. Terrell, or Ms. Sachs, or uh, the current legal staff in the Treasurer Tax Collector's Office. I do know others in the Treasurer Tax Collector's Office have not spoken to any of them about uh, this case. Um, I was saying that I was impressed with the eight page um, detailed uh, memo starting on page 173 of the packet, which I think explains um, in kind of excruciating uh, detail uh, the level of effort that uh, the department uh, spent on responding to this uh, request. I am open to persuasion, but I am satisfied at this point um, that they have done uh, a diligent uh, job of not only responding um, to the request, producing records with appropriate uh, redaction as was requested by the requester um, on a rolling basis, on a weekly basis, and that it just took time to work through. It does appear to me that um, to Mr. Terrell on the top of page 175, the total 
hours. Um, I didn't add it up, but I'm sure it's 45.58. But on the left side there, I believe that's the total through January 27th, not January 20th, because there is a line above for January 27th. But other than that, um, I think the uh, structure, the structure that the task force created for this kind of um, uh, explanation is exactly what the department responded to and explained exactly what they did, when they did it, how they did it, and why they did it. And that's all that we asked for. And for all of those reasons, I am satisfied at this point and prepared to make a motion to find uh, no violation. Um, again, unless someone's got other information here. Thank you, Member Popel. Anyone else? Thoughts? That motion would be seconded. Then I will so move. Okay, so moved by Member Popel, seconded by Member Schmidt to find no violation. Second. Any other discussion from the members on this? I just have one thing I want to bring up, which is like this case take, because take the mic. The mic is right here. <laughs> um, there we go. Yeah, this almost seems like the kind of case that should have gone to a consent agenda because there is no, or it should have been at when it went to the committee, there should have been some discussion about the need to have um, more evidence about this sort of conflicting timelines that are being given. All I have in front of me really um, with the documentation that's here is the date of the request. You know, the fact that there's a response um, the next day, essentially, and then all the dates when that documentation was released. Um, and that documentation seems to be released all within a month or so. Um, and I don't have any documentation from the petitioner that that shows anything to the contrary. Right? So, I feel like this is the kind of case that should have at committee um, probably been sent to consent agenda. Or there should have been a discussion with the petitioner that you need to have evidence in this packet that substantiates the dates that you're giving. So I just want to bring that up because there's been a, you know it's, it is a big amount of time that we're spending on this, and it almost seems like I don't know how it got to this agenda. Thank you, Vice Chair Stein, and that, that's a good point. You know, obviously um, when things are very you know kind of straightforward like this, that, that consent agenda item always is an option that committees can recommend. And that helps us move through our backlog more quickly. Um, and I think, you know, in, in the committee's defense on this one, that they did try to combine this with, with another file that was very similar to this. And so that would have expedited our, our hearing of it, but um, I don't believe the administrator cross-referenced that. So when we went to the earlier file, it didn't say signal, hey, grab this one also and do it. So this is kind of, unfortunately, a little bit of a, Redundant hearing. Any other comments on this one? If not, we'll open up to public comment. If there's any member of the public who would like to make public comment at this time, you can raise your hand by pressing star three on the phone or using the application to raise your hand. I do not see any uh, raised hands at this time. Okay, thank you, Victor. We'll go ahead and close public comment and seeing no other one wanting to give comments. I think we're ready to take a vote on this. Cheryl, when you're ready. Member Pilpil. Aye. Member Pilpil, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Anderson. Aye. 
Member Anderson, aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Highland, aye. Member Highland, aye. Member LaHood, absent. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Okay, thank you, Mr. Bajanski and Mr. Troll for joining us this evening. We appreciate your attendance. Thank you, task force members. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, I think we're ready to move on to item number 11. Item number 11, file number 22114, complaint filed by Michael Petrellis against Jonas Ionan, President Diane Matsuda, and the Historic Preservation Commission for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 6715 by failing to provide an opportunity for members of the public to address the body of interests that are within the body's jurisdiction. This refers to general public comment of October 5, 2022 meeting. On December 20th, 2022, the complaint committee moved to find that the task force has jurisdiction, the records are public and referred the matter to the task force for hearing. Okay, um, I know we had Mr. Tellis with us earlier. Mr. Petrellis, are you still here? If you could raise your hand, it would be appreciated so I can identify you. I have unmuted. If you can just confirm you can hear us. Hi, this is Michael Petrellis. Great, we can hear you. Thank you, Mr. Petrellis. And so do we have any Respondents, I think this was naming Joseph Ionin, Diane Matsuda, and the Historic Preservation Commission. Uh, Mr. Ionin is still with us. Yeah, Jonas Ionin here, not Joseph. Jonas. I'm sorry, Jonas. My apologies. Okay, uh, let's see. This went to the complaint committee. So, um, Member Schmidt, do you have any summary on this one? Sure, sure. And this. We saw this one, probably, I don't know, almost a year ago, maybe. Uh, okay, so Mr. Petrellis has a complaint that his rights to general public comment were violated at a hearing. He was physically present at the hearing. He had a sign which read, save the seats. Um, I believe that there's probably not much dispute that that refers to a controversy involving the Castro Theater. Uh, what he did is he sought to give general public comment, and he was physically there holding the sign. And uh, he was at least initially denied um, the right to give public comment because it appears that the um, the chair thought that he was going to talk about the Castro Theater uh, and so that it would be off topic. Now, if you look at the transcript, it's a little bit vague, unclear. I'm not sure if the transcript necessarily caught everything, but the, the sum of 
the last important item here, I think, is that there was this initial, at least, prevention of public comment, but it looks like after a couple of sentences, uh, the public comment was allowed. So there was an initial resistance, but it does look like uh, that there, there was a public comment uh, as uh, Mr. Petrella sought to do. Maybe I'm misreading it. I don't know. I, I apologize for the lengthy discussion. I just thought I'd frame the issue. Thank you, Member Schmidt. Uh, Member Stein, uh, anything else or anyone who's, who was there from the complaint committee? Um, I, I, don't know. I feel like you might have stated it a little bit strongly to say that. Um, I mean, there, the, the, at first, you do have the chair of that um, meeting saying, I don't agree to your request. And then there's a back and forth discussion, um, a disagreement. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the petitioner had to work a little bit to uh, make sure that they had an opportunity to speak. Um, and I, so I'm not sure I would say they were completely prevented. I think it went straight to a discussion um, where they were dissuaded at first, but then um, the issue was clarified. That's how I saw it, but. Better stated. Okay, I think we're ready to hear from the petitioner then on this. So, Cheryl, when you're ready with the clock, can please let Mr. Petrellis know it and he can begin. Uh, Mr. Petrellis, are you ready to begin? I am. Go ahead, sir. Hi, uh, this is Michael Petrellis. Um, the basic issue for me is um, uh, 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 intimidation. I felt that um, the commission secretary and the chair of this commission um, were using tactics to intimidate me into giving up three minutes of general public comment, and they were doing this under the, the wrong assumption that um, uh, my signage was what I wanted to speak about. Um, what I uh, did eventually speak about was um, uh, generalized trauma among gay community members, especially of my generation, uh, the AIDS generation, and, and those of us who were here and um, carry trauma of decades of the Milton Moscone assassinations. These matters did not directly um, uh, uh, impact the matter of the continuance of a matter on the Castro agenda, of the Castro theater that was later on the agenda. I did speak about that item, but basically the intimidation I felt would have denied me the opportunity to speak about trauma in the Castro gay community and um, uh, I resisted that, as you can see from the transcript. And I don't think um, any member of the public, uh, especially a, a, a tough guy like me, um, uh, who's been around the block on public comment, uh, I don't think that um, uh, the burden should be placed on the public speaker to um, uh, uh, give up their right to speak for three minutes 
based on a wrongful assumption by the chair. And I would uh, conclude by saying, you know, the time it took to debate with me between the chair, the secretary, and what have you, that could have been, uh, uh, that time could have been better used by just letting me speak. Uh, that's what I have to say. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Petrellis. Do we have any parties provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? And not hearing that there are any, we'll go ahead and move to the respondent. And Cheryl, when you're ready with the clock, please let Mr. Iona know when he may begin. Uh, Mr. Ionan, are you ready to begin speaking? Sure. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Um, all I can say is there was no violation in this instance. Mr. Petrellis, in fact, admits he was afforded his general public comment time. What had occurred, and I hope you had all watched the video of the hearing of general public comment. It happens very at the very beginning of the hearing. Um, there was a back and forth. There was an assumption on my behalf, and I do apologize for that. Um, I should not have assumed that based on a sign a person is holding what they're going to be speaking to. Um, however, it's not a bad assumption to make when someone walks up um, under general public comment holding a sign related to the Castro Theater and the Castro Theater item is on the continuance calendar after general public comment to seek clarity, which very much like the chair did on two separate occasions today, interrupt a speaker who came up to speak to clarify what that person was speaking on and to because uh, he felt that it was not the appropriate time. Be sure I'm muted. Am I muted? I'm sorry. We can hear you. We can hear him. Okay, I'm hearing Victor saying something about being muted. Okay, anyway. Um, so we do that in practice all the time. It's a procedural matter to seek clarity in case a member of the public is not aware that procedurally you're not supposed to speak to items on the under general public comment that are already on the agenda on that same day. Um, I did it today at the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, and it was settled very amicably <laughs> and politely um, differently than what had occurred on October 5th in 2022. Um, I simply paused the, 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 the person and, and said, I believe you're speaking to an item on our agenda later today. He said, no, I'm not speaking to that item specifically. And I said, okay, thank you. And we moved on. Um, furthermore, uh, what's interesting, I think, in this particular case is Mr. Petrellis submitted um, 150 words to be added to the agenda, or excuse me, to the minutes after his general public comment. And again, I hope you watched the video and saw him physically hand over a page with 150 um, words on it. Uh, we, per his request, included that in the minutes, which is submitted in your documents. Interestingly enough, the comments he submitted under general public comment had nothing to do with trauma or what he said 
under general public comment. It was specifically related to the Castro continuance. And so, to be quite honest, I don't believe we interrupted him and paused him unnecessarily. He simply shifted gears when he learned that he does not appropriately speak to the matter of continuance of the Castro Theater on the general public comment. He would be given another three minutes when we called up the continuance calendar where he could have appropriately provided those, uh, those comments, which he did, I believe, actually, at that hearing later in that same day. He switched to a subject matter that really is not under the purview of the Historic Preservation Commission. As much as I sympathize with the trauma that many gay members of the San Francisco community have encumbered over the years in the Castro, I don't see how that is under the purview of the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, so with all due respect, I will simply stop with there was no violation. Mr. Petrellis was afforded three minutes under general public comment. There was no intimidation. There was just a, a request to seek clarity on a procedural matter. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Ionan. Are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? Okay, not hearing that there are any. Uh, members, this is our time for questions. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I, I, first to the petitioner, and uh, I, I think most of what I'm seeing here is pretty clear, but I want to ask you a question about your intention. Uh, when you stood at the hearing to uh, render your three minutes of public comment, you, I'll say, wielded the sign. It, did you intend for people to see that you were holding the sign while you were presenting your public comment? Hi, uh, this is Michael Petrellis again. Um, Yes, I wanted to use all available means of communication to petition my government and uh, to use the infrastructure of the TV camera to show my sign, to also have my audio words transmitted, um, uh, uh, the audio portion of what I was saying transmitted out to people who were watching. They could also look at my sign and yes, submit a 150-word um, statement. I want to use every tool available to me to petition my government. Thank you. And to the respondents, uh, you eventually did allow uh, the petitioner to give three minutes of public comment and you allowed him to be holding that sign, correct? Uh, it's pretty clear in the in the hearing archive video. Okay, and yet when when you initially uh, saw that the petitioner was uh, holding the sign, you thought that that was going to be part of the message that he wanted to convey, even though it may not be his verbal message, it would be a visual message. Is that correct? Well, the visual message is not a concern of mine. It was my uh, premature assumption 
that he was going to speak to the Castro. Okay, thank you. That's all. Chair Yankee. Uh, Member Hyland, quick question. This is a question actually for, for Mr. Young. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the um, um, you know supervisors' meetings, signs are forbidden. Um, I'm wondering if is that something that translates down to other policy bodies, other meetings? Do you have any any input on that? Uh, we don't forbid signage as long as they're kept to a minimum. I mean, if if they trot in with a bedsheet size sign that prevents people from seeing or experiencing the hearing. We ask that they remove it, so we limit it to eight and a half by eleven, um, just oh. because it seems like a reasonable sign. There's no harm, no foul. Uh, we do have a disruption policy that if people start clapping and cheering and and whatnot, that uh, the Historic Preservation Commission does not tolerate those kinds of outbursts. Right. Um, I, I was actually referring to the full supervisors' meetings. Um, I think. Even T-shirts with messages on them are forbidden. I could be wrong. I think I, I read have, that. I, I can't speak to the board of supervisors. Yeah, I was, I was hoping Victor Young could chime in on that. I'm just, I'm just curious. This is not too germane to what we're um, ruling on here, but just as a general freedom of information, you know, uh, point. I, uh, you know, as as a Sunshine Task Force member, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this, and you know, what precedent's been set by the full task force. Uh, supervisors, rather, um, and are we bound by any of that? That's kind of the question. Victor, can you did you hear any of that, or are you to unmute yourself in this dimension and respond to us? Anyway, we can let that one germinate. Victor, are you there? Uh, Member Popel. Um, so, a couple of uh, points here. Uh, first, to um, Member Highland, in my experience, those questions of um, expression via signage at public meetings is, uh, again, in my experience, left to each body, um, either the presiding officer or by their uh, rules of order. And I believe that there is a a difference in the Board of Supervisors rules of order as relates to signage compared to the Planning Commission and uh, BHPC. Um, it, it raises some interesting questions about the First Amendment and viewpoint discrimination and um, disruption during a meeting and all that, but I'm not sure that we need to get into that tonight. It's an interesting topic. Um, so I have questions for both um, Mr. Pachalis and Mr. Ionan. Uh, who I might refer to as Jonas from time to time. Um, so to Mr. Petralis or Michael, um, although there may have been a question, I, I wouldn't even call it a reprimand, but uh, some back and forth uh, between you and uh, Jonas or the chair of the uh, meeting, ultimately you were permitted to speak both on, or permitted, it's not a good word, were allowed to speak both on general public comment and on the continuation matter. Is that correct? Uh, you lost me there at the end. What, what aspect are you asking me to uh, respond to? Were you actually allowed to speak on both general public comment 
and on the continuation matters 5A and 5B at this. Yes, I uh, spoke twice, and uh, this is accurately reflected uh, in the transcript of uh, the meeting, you know, okay. closed captioning. Okay. Yes. I, I read that. I did not watch the video, but I did read the transcript. Thank you. Okay, so you answered my question. So to Mr. Ionan or Jonas, um, I have a couple of issues with the minutes. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not yet sure that they rise to a level of violation, but I wanted to discuss them uh, briefly. So on starting on page 228 on the minutes, um, if the if what's included on page 228 and 229 of our packet is in fact the 150 word uh, statement provided by Mr. Petrellis, which it sounds like it is, um, I would suggest in the future that you label it as such because I agree that it is entirely different from the public statement that he made. And I believe that you have an obligation both to summarize the actual public comment where, when it's given, however it's given, and separately to include the written statement if it's provided and it's up to members of the public to decide if they don't reconcile, you know, what happened. But in this case, it appears to me that the oral statement about trauma in the community um, was what was made and the written statement was entirely different. Um, and that's not fully captured in the minutes. Do you, do you want to comment on that briefly and then I'll move on to another item? Um, I agree with your assessment and I think uh, it's probably a good suggestion to, to make that clarification. Okay. I, again, I think that's a going forward thing. I'm not sure that what happened here is, you know, necessarily a violation or, or fatal. I mean, generally when people submit their 150 words to us, it's actually a summary of what they actually spoke to verbally under general public comment or any other item. It's correct. This, this may have Not been a first where a member of the public spoke entirely about a different issue, albeit maybe related, and then submitted 150 words that had not one iota of summary of what they discussed. Verbally. Fair enough. And perhaps on a different night, on a different item, we could discuss whether or not it's an obligation of a uh, board or commission secretary or clerk to include a 150 word statement if it is totally not the same as what someone provided in their oral testimony. But that's not before us tonight. In any event, that was that was my point on the general public comment on uh, Section D, the continuance agenda. I didn't see a note anywhere in the minutes that items 5A and 5B were called together. It's I suspect that they may have been. I'm not sure if they were. I think it may be useful in the future to notate that. Um, I also was, um, for lack of a better term, a little bugged by the um, speakers list on page 230. Um, in the future, I think it would be helpful when uh, speakers are representing an office or a staff or whatever to identify that perhaps Jacob Bintliff was actually 
from Supervisor Mandelman's office, that at the time Lee Hepner may have been from Supervisor Peskin's office, that Rich uh, Sucre, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, was actually from staff. So the speakers is a combination of staff and public comment. And I, I, I just think it is better for the record to identify um, the, the actors with their title where relevant. Um, and I'll try to wrap up. Um, thanks. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed was that uh, then member Wright um, was noted as recused on both items 5A and 5B, and I didn't find anywhere in the minutes um, the explanation for the recusal. And I think there's a requirement in the Campaign and Governmental Conduct Code that whenever there's a recusal that it needs to be stated on the record and included in the minutes. So um, again, I don't think any of these things are fatal, but I was just calling them out because I think those are improvements that, that you could make going forward. And I don't think there's anything like huge there. Does Thank that make sense? It's into consideration, but I, I'm not aware of the requirement that the recusal needs to be included in the minutes. They do have to file a form within 10 days, but I'm not aware of that one. So we'll look into okay. it. You'll, you'll take a look in the CNGC code. Thanks very much. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Member Pilpel, the, the, the kind um, suggestions uh, to, to uh, Mr. Ionin. I, I just wanna say that that is, it's not something that's coming as a some kind of directive from this task force that was sort of off the cuff remarks by one member yeah. of this task force. And um, I just want to just make it clear, that's not a problem for me, but I may, as a different member, have different editorial assessments. And I also don't, really know how much uh, we have authority to be telling people how to write their agendas. Uh, it may be a sunshine thing. It may not be. I don't know. Uh, so that's all. Yeah, and, and I think it's probably good concept to try to focus on the allegations of the complaint. Yes, um, so we don't get too far off track. Okay, any other questions? Okay, not seeing any, we can go ahead, I think, and move to rebuttals. Um, so we'll start with uh, Mr. Ionin for three minutes. Um, I'll just simply reiterate the fact that Mr. Petrellis came up, I believe, still today with the intent to speak to the Castro Theater under general public comment. He submitted a written 150 words specifically discussing the continuance of Castro Theater. And then when paused, he switched gears but was still afforded his time of three minutes under general public comment to speak and he's shifted gears so there is no violation i don't care how you cut it there's no violation of prohibiting someone from speaking under general public comment he spoke for three minutes under general public comment there was no intimidation myself and the chair did exactly what the chair here in tonight's hearing did on two separate occasions paused a member of the public to see clarity on what they were talking about. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Ionin. And Mr. Petrellis, uh, you'll have three minutes for your rebuttal as soon as Cheryl lets you know when she's ready. 
You ready, sir? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, first of all, the matter of signage. Um, signs are allowed in hearings at City Hall, and I'm doing it every chance I get when I go before the police commission, the health commission, which meets at 101 Grove, at the Board of Supervisors. I can share minutes of uh, my presentations during public comment holding a sign that's letter-sized. Um, what is allowed uh, is signage that is um, no larger than 11 by 17. Um, uh, so uh, th this um, is a very important matter because um, it gets the freedom of expression inside City Hall in San Francisco. It's ridiculous to think that we're not allowed to hold up a, a written sign on letter-sized paper that says something. Same thing with a T-shirt. My God, there should be protests if there is any attempt to prevent us from getting a visual message out on a T-shirt, as Joel and Guardio did yesterday, wearing a blue um, T-shirt. Signage is allowed. Regarding the matter of what I spoke about, historical trauma among gays, uh, and the question of was this appropriate for this commission, I remind you, it is historical preservation commission. Yeah. In the larger context of historical San Francisco, it is very appropriate to talk about trauma over the decades in the gay community, regardless of the theater. Also, on the matter of my statement, um, that's free expression. I can submit a 150-word statement on anything I want, regardless of what I may say, during public comment. I don't have to give in a transcript of um, 150-word statements about what I say during public comment. The topics can be totally different because of the First Amendment. I am disturbed by the questions that have been raised about signage and um, being allowed to speak on a matter during general public comment and then discussing something totally different in a 150-word statement. The issue here is always being allowed to use um, communication tools at City Hall for First Amendment expression. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Patrullis. <clears throat> okay, members, it's our time to deliberate and formulate a motion on this item. Vice Stein? Yeah, um, I want to say a couple things. Um, I think we got kind of off topic on a lot of this discussion, but I, I do agree 100% with Mr. Petralis that I think it's visuals are a very important <laughs> mode of um, communication and expression for people in meetings and when, and I think generally they should be allowed and mostly they are allowed. I also want to point out, because I just recently reread the good government guide and I know we don't agree with all of it, but it does say that while members of the public can give you a 150 word statement um, that they want you know, stated in a public comment that if it's, if you don't feel that it's appropriate or it's not, doesn't, it's not fit or whatever, you don't necessarily have to publish it. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And then I also want to say, I just think intent doesn't matter here. We shouldn't be trying to guess at what Mr. Petrellis was or wasn't going to say before he was 
you know, experience some resistance and all of that. Uh, but all that being said, I still don't see in the actual documents that we have something that's rising to the level of a violation. I think it's a little bit. Yes, there is a little bit of resistance and, but it, you know, and again, you can't. Fully read into you know where that resistance came from, although it's very reasonable to suggest that it might have been that um, the person um, running the meeting thought there was going to be a comment on something that wasn't you know that was meant to that was more appropriate to be given later. But the you know the moments of resistance is very very short here, even in the transcript, and um, ultimately uh, you know Mr. Petrellis was allowed to speak, and for that reason, I want to make a motion to find no violation. Okay, so there's a motion by Vice Chair Stein to find no violation. Do we have a second for that? Second. Seconded by Member Anderson. Um, any discussion among the members on that motion? Seeing no hands, let's go ahead and move to public comment on that. Yes, if you'd like to make public comment on this matter, you can raise your hand at this time uh, by using the application to raise your hand. I see no hands for public comment. Okay, we're going to go ahead and close public comment then, and we should be ready for a vote. Cheryl, when you're ready. Uh, Vice Chair Stein? Aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Member Anderson? Aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Wolf, aye. Member Hill, absent. Member Highland, aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood, absent. Chair Yankee, aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Two absent, eight in favor. Okay. Quick comment. Yes, go ahead, Member Schmidt. Okay, just I, I, I am an attorney, as some of you know. Um, I don't think it was implicated here, but I certainly will have to just acknowledge that we saw an issue that we'll probably see over and over again at this task force, uh, which is expression uh, within a hearing, expression, visual expression, signs, clothing, etc. I mean, we've we've we're talking First Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, California Constitution, and also uh, those are Brown Act and Sunshine uh, questions. And so clearly we we should see it. I just don't know if it became an issue here because the sign was never, it, it, it wasn't, it was never prevented from uh, being, being used. So there was no contention of any kind of violation there. That's all. Thank you, if Member I may, through the chair, um, thank you for that because the Historic Preservation Commission has no issue and there was no issue with the sign. Mr. Ionan, it's this is not really the appropriate place for, for a comment. Okay. I if there's nothing else from the members, I think we're ready to move on to the next item. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on to item number 12. Item number 12, file number 22119, complaint filed by Michael Petrellis against Supervisor Rafael Mandelman for allegedly violating Administrative Code Section 67.29-5, 
by failing to provide required calendars of certain officials in a timely and or complete manner. On November 15, 2022, the complaint committee moved to find that the requested records of public, there is jurisdiction and reported the matter to the task force for hearing with a recommendation for a violation of 67.29-5 for failure to keep or cause to be kept a daily calendar. Okay, and I am assuming Mr. Trellis is still with us. Um, do we have anyone from Supervisor Mandelman's office with us this evening? If you're associated with this matter, if you can raise your hand, it would be appreciated. Uh, Mr. Ho, I have made you a, a panelist. You can unmute your own mic. Hello, everyone. Thank you. My name is Calvin. I am a legislative aide with Supervisor Mandelman's office. Sir, could you speak up? We can barely hear you. Could you speak more into your phone or microphone? Yes. Uh, thank you. Time. Thank you. Or turn up the volume on your device. Is this any better? Mm, marginally. Give me one moment. That's better. Okay. Uh, so yes, hello everyone. My name is Calvin. I am a legislative aide with Supervisor Mandelman's office. Sorry, can can you say your name one more time? Calvin Ho. Oh, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you for joining us this evening. Okay, this went to the complaint committee. So, Member Schmidt, do you have a summary on this one? Yeah, uh, this is pretty much um, the same kind of case we've seen before with other agencies. It's a 29-5 case, a Prop G calendar case. And so there may be a question of was there a delay in producing uh, the calendar according to the time standards, and then once a calendar is produced, uh, does it comply? Uh, there seems to have been, um, eventually, there was a lot of content uh, provided, as you can see in the in the written record. Uh, the I think that uh, the Mandelman office concedes to a degree that maybe sometimes they don't in, they don't show with the attendees at something, they don't show the subject matter. So we do, I think, need to consider uh, the effect of uh, those maybe non-compliance, are they sort of minimal, et cetera. And, and the, lastly, the Manaman office I think they you know, pro appropriately cite to the good faith effort standard, and they claim that there was a good faith effort here. And I think that's a fair argument. That's my assessment. Is, is there anyone else uh, who was on the complaint committee who wishes to add anything? I think that would only be me, Member Stein. <laughs> um, I'll just summarize a little, add a little extra detail. The request was made on, um, 92422 uh, a response was provided on 10622 um basically with the first response there was some information or the petitioner noticed some information missing and requested that that information be provided and eventually was provided it they didn't get all the information within the 3 days 
mandated by the um, Prop G calendar provision, um, but it also does seem like Mr. Mandelman's office, um, Supervisor Mandelman's office did make an effort to fill in that information and um, get it to the petitioner. It just didn't happen within the required amount of time. Okay, thank you, Vice Chair Stein and Member Schmidt. Uh, let's go ahead and move to our presentations then. So Cheryl, if you can get the clock ready and let Mr. Petrolis know when he can begin. Mr. Petrolis, you ready to begin speaking? I am. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Michael Petrolis again. Um, this matter is a question of getting the information about um, uh, folks who were at the meetings and what was discussed. And I uh, will state on the record and give credit to uh, Mandelman staff for learning uh, the, the full implications and how to fully comply with a Prop G calendar request. Uh, since this complaint was made, uh, the problem has been totally resolved. Um, and I uh, think it was last week, might have been two weeks ago, made another request for recent calendars uh, from Mandelman's office, and they were provided within uh, the three days, uh, uh, three days time standard. And I believe in uh, this instance, and I wish it were more widely known among um, uh, the supervisors and others at City Hall, um, uh, this is an instance of um, uh, the Mandelman staff learned uh, about the Prop G requirements and met them and continue to meet those requirements. This is terrific. So um, uh, having said that, um, I, I also just have to acknowledge that I just lost the previous complaint unanimously, but it was still worth it to have a discussion about these important um, government transparency and engagement issues. Um, and I'll repeat the last time uh, that the Mandelman office has um, fully complied ever since this complaint was lodged. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Patrolson. Are there any parties to provide facts or evidence on behalf of the petitioner? Okay, hearing from none, let's go ahead and move on to the respondent. Uh, Cheryl, when you're ready, please let uh, Calvin Ho, know when when, uh, when he may begin this five minutes. Mr. Ho, are you ready to begin speaking? Yes. Is the sound better now? Yes. Much better. Much better. Thank you. Yes. Sorry, folks. I was connected to the wrong audio source. I apologize for that. Um, so I, I actually want to thank Mr. Petrellis for his kind words from a few moments ago. Um, yes, we've been really diligent in trying to ensure that we are compliant with regulations. Um, I am new to this office, but I am covering the schedule now, and I ensure that we include all the necessary information about participants and topics and um, everything else that is required. Um, we continue to manage and maintain the calendar in accordance with um, admin code 67.29-5. Uh, um, a request for all of the supervisor's calendar entries spanning a period of nine months is quite voluminous, but our office made every good faith effort to produce available information to fulfill this request within the provisioned uh, timeframes of the California Public Records Act um, and the uh, SF Sunshine Ordinance. Um, so I 
I appreciate him saying that uh, we've been, um, you know, diligent in working with him, especially with his recent requests. Um, we have greatly improved our um, ability to expeditiously buy calendar entries, um, and they are always detailed and up to date. Um, so, yes, I look forward to working with Mr. Pachalas in the future on these future requests as well. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hope. Um, are there any parties providing facts or evidence on behalf of the respondent? Okay, hearing none. Uh, members, we have questions. Member Popo. Um, so, first to Mr. Uh, Petralis, although I do hear a lot of uh, good feelings on this one, um, I was having trouble going through all the voluminous uh, packet material. Um, could you perhaps uh, point me to a couple of examples? of the original uh, entry that you got that you thought was sort of less than compliant and then the revised entry that you thought was uh, sufficient um, that that would help me understand what changed um, and again there's like a big fat pile of stuff here um, and then I may have a follow-up for supervisor Mendelman's aid um, uh, I'm opening the uh, part one of three, and, um, and if you could give me a picture, yeah, this is that would be part one, and it's 200 pages total uh, in in the uh, PDF. Let me go to the first entry: uh, petitioner supporting documents. Um, um, and I understand that the format and the presentation changed because there was the new tool in, in Google, whatever, Google Calendar. That yeah, was, that um, allowed a different this presence. office has made major changes in their um, uh, calendar keeping. Um, well, I can show you on, on page nine, under Saturday, January 8th, there's one... Um, uh, a calendar entry. It says, hold coffee with Lauren Wilson. Doesn't say what the um, matter was that um, he was discussing. Since it's on his calendar, and even though it's on a Saturday, it's not a business day, you know, at City Hall, uh, I believe he still had a duty to um, uh, list the topic to be discussed. Um, oh, and if you go to the day before, Friday, January 7, uh, the final entry at uh, 4.30 p.m., uh, it's just um, uh, five letters, T-T-O-O-O. -O -O. I don't know what that is, um, uh, and it should have been oh, explained. That's a T-T-O-O-O. -O -O. It's one of those. And never mind. It's what? I'm kidding. I was saying it was a T-T-O-O-O. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, then go to the previous day. This is the third and final example. Thursday, January 6th, the final entry at 5 p.m. Uh, there are two names, Michael Terrace and Erica Walters. No topic. What, what did they discuss? So how's that? Okay. And then can you show me or, or perhaps um, uh, Calvin... Uh, can you show me where that uh, reappeared uh, later in the, the recast calendar? Um, so I can't show you actually where it repeats, but I can try to explain at least the first two issues. Okay. Um, 
So for the first one, in general, when we have calendar holds, um, those are just placeholders. Um, it doesn't uh, verify that the meeting will take place. Um, it's very possible that one of my predecessors simply forgot to delete the hold um, for that meeting. So that's one possibility. Um, as I stated, um, I try my very best to ensure that um, every calendar or every meeting that takes place is actually reflected in the calendar. So um, we remove holds now or holds no longer appear on the calendar. For the second question, um, we tend, whenever someone is going to be out of office, we will put their initials for their name and then OOO to indicate out of office. So you perhaps might see in the future oh, CH. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then for the third issue, um, it's, I can't say what that happened. Was a Jackie this. Thornhill out of office? Yes. Ah, we have figured it out, okay. Um, but for the third issue, I'm not quite sure what happened with those specific entries. It's very possible that those could have just been one-on-ones with those individuals, um, but um, I'll make sure to avoid incidents like that in the future. Okay, I, I think I may have answered my own question. So if you go to page 297, um, of the packet for Saturday, February 5th, and then compare that to an unnumbered page just after 246 um, for that same Saturday, February 5th. Um, so there was DuBose Park Cafe, the DuBose Triangle Office Hours, coffee with Allison Drain, um, the DTNA Neighborhood Walk, and then Ross Green. Okay, so the first presentation with the the boxes it doesn't really have the the detailed description but the later version on page 297 has the description line with what the heck was going on who was there yada yada so Allison Drain description regarding Market Street um 3 to 4 p.m. Ross Green description why does he want the job what is he doing in his current job okay so it's it's when you get to the detailed calendar pieces, some some or many of which I think were embedded there but weren't visible with the, the presentation that, that some of that comes out. And it sounds like you've instituted procedures to better capture and uh, display the relevant uh, detail that complies with 29-5. Is that a fair characterization? Uh, I believe so, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, at some point, and, and now may not be uh, the best time, if there is some procedure that you've uh, written up or your office has developed on how to maintain uh, and disclose a calendar, a Prop G calendar, that's helpful, uh, particularly if somebody like Mr. Petrellis uh, thinks that you're doing a good job, uh, that may be something that you could forward to the task force and perhaps we could um, offer guidance to uh, all the department heads and uh, city officials that are subject to the calendar requirement and suggest that they, you know, maybe follow your lead or at least follow best practice uh, here because in my experience, department heads and those that are required to keep calendars have done so in a variety of ways over the years, some of which have been more helpful and some of which have been less helpful and i don't know that we're in a position to tell everybody how to do it best but i think um providing guidance on what kind of information is useful to capture and disclose may be helpful for all concerned 
in the future. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Um, for uh, transparency, I don't actually have a, a guiding document that dictates how we do calendaring here in the office. I previously just uh, did scheduling for six people at the same time, so I have that experience. Okay. Um, but I'm happy to, um, if I have time, to come up with a, um, written guidance, and I'm happy to share that. That that would be great. Not a priority, not right this minute, but yeah, that would that would be cool. Um, and Mr. Pachelis, I suspect that you might appreciate that as well. Yes. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, Member Pilpel. Anyone else with questions? No. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to rebuttals then. Um, so we'll start with um, Mr. Ho. will have three minutes, followed by Mr. Pachelis. Mr. Ho, are you ready to begin speaking? Uh, yes. Um, I have nothing else to add. I just want to thank everyone for. Um, taking the time to hear both of us out. And again, thank you, Mr. Petrellis, for your kind words. Okay, thank you. And uh, Mr. Petrellis, uh, you can begin as soon as Cheryl lets you know. You ready, Michael? I am. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Michael Petrellis again. Um, uh, yeah, there is a desperate need for um, guidance. Uh, regarding um, Prop G calendars, um, and uh, you may soon have a complaint from me uh, with the mayor's office. Uh, but about this um, uh, matter that's before you now, um, it's an excellent example of um, here was a clear violation, in in my opinion, you know, uh, and then um, a quick and easy corrective. Um, was implemented, and ever since then, that corrective um, is the standard. Um, uh, how Mandelman's staff does this, um, uh, I do not know, because I think I've um, uh, engaged with five staffers uh, since uh, that complaint was lodged last year. And... Um, I think that uh, eventually uh, what would be best for local democracy, um, and I say this in the context of you guys all volunteer hours and hours to serve on the uh, task force. And uh, I think that um, uh, requiring those who are subject to Prop G to post their calendars on their city funded websites would do a lot to eliminate um, uh, the the um, uh, discrepancy in how the calendars are kept and how the calendars are released. If there was one standard um, uh, for the department heads and the electeds on the Prop G uh, keeping of the calendars and then posting them, and they posted them on a weekly basis, um, local democracy would be greatly enhanced. Um, and uh, I'm just going to conclude by saying that um, uh, I uh, hope that you guys can find a way with your time constraints to hear such matters sooner than a year later. I, I know you just put in hours looking at all these documents and attending these meetings, um, and I really appreciate that. But taking a whole year to adjudicate uh, this uh, uh, complaint. Uh, it's not such a good thing. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Patrol. 
Okay, members, uh, this is our time to decide how we want to dispose of this case. Tina, do you want a motion? Unless we want to have discussion first. <laughs> um, I don't know if people have thoughts on this one. I mean, I, I think I already kind of uh, explained where my thinking is. I'm satisfied that there's no violation at this time. I think that there was a good faith uh, effort to uh, comply. I think beyond the good faith effort, I think the office has uh, improved um, their efforts at um, record keeping and disclosure. Um, we had some back and forth on discussing standards. Um, we may evolve that in the future, um, but I think on the instant complaint, um, I'm happy to move to find no violation on this particular set of facts tonight. Okay, so that's a, a motion to find no violation. Do we have a second on that or other thoughts? I second it. Okay, seconded by Member Sugarman. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Should we move to public comment? Not seeing any hands. Okay, let's go ahead and move up to public comment. Okay, I don't have any other attendees with us. Oh, okay. Well, I guess there's no public comment then. <laughs> are we ready for a vote? Looks like it. All right. So, Cheryl, uh, when you are ready, go ahead and take the roll. Member Pilpel? Aye. Member Pilpel, aye. Member Sugarman? Aye. Member Sugarman, aye. Member Anderson? Aye. Member Anderson, aye. Member Wolf. Aye. That's an aye. He said aye. He did. All right. Yes, aye. All right. Member Hill, absent. Member Highland. Aye. Member Highland, aye. Member Schmidt. Aye. Member Schmidt, aye. Member LaHood, absent. Vice Chair Stein. Aye. Vice Chair Stein, aye. Member, uh, Chair Yankee? Aye. Chair Yankee, aye. Two absent, eight in favor. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Petrellis, and thank you, Mr. Ho, for joining us this evening. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Uh, Cheryl, when you're ready, we can move on to item number 14. See, we're skipping 13, so we're on to 14. Item number 14, hearing annual report, initial planning discussion for the 2024 annual report from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. Okay, um, so as everyone know, we did our first annual report in several years. Seems like just a few months ago, but here we are again, getting ready to, to do the next one, which I think is, is great. And thank you, Vice Chair Stein for uh, bringing this to my attention so we can get started on this. I know it takes a lot of time. Um, this is probably a good place to start. So I don't know, if, Vice Chair Stein, if you wanted to start the discussion, but probably makes sense to figure out how we want to approach it this this next go around. Um, who's interested? What we should include? Maybe what we shouldn't include again, um, and just start going from there. So, Vice Chair Stein. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just um, looking at the agenda again. Did we call it the twenty twenty four? It's really the twenty twenty three. Or was it? Did we call the last one twenty twenty two? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's the... I, I see. It didn't come out until 2023, but it was for. It was for the previous year. Gotcha, so gotcha. the idea is um, 
Yeah, so I guess I had some You're questions sure. for people. So last year um, we had an initi initiative to do an annual report. It hadn't been done for a long time. Um, the Sunshine Ordinance says that we should be making reports from time to time. And we thought it was a good idea to kind of take stock of where we were and to kind of really try to um, put some of the key uh, things that we do in some kind of perspective. Um, so I guess I have like my questions this time around are, you know, do we want to use, I mean, presuming that we want to do another annual report. Um, and that's a question we can also discuss, you know, do we want to use last year's report as a model or do we want to do something else? Um, you know, do we want to use the same kind of data points? And I'll just remind you or tell you for people who haven't seen it, maybe is that basically the data that we collected is we did a survey um, of um, bodies in the city about like the number of requests they received and how long they took on average to answer them and some other um, things related to that, like how often they redacted. And, and also we asked them to share with us um, whatever information they did keep on um, sunshine requests so that we could get some kind of sense of how prevalent are the requests and then how many you know um, complaints do we see in relation to the number of requests. So there's that issue of surveys um, with the city. That was one data point. Another was a review of the complaint uh, petition resolutions and timelines. So when were complaints submitted? When did they finally get resolved? How often were they resolved in favor of the petitioner versus the respondent? Um, that's what we looked at there. And I actually have to say, I found that particularly useful because it just kind of gave me a good sense of, oh, we're, we're actually processing, you know, maybe 40, 50 complaints a year, but we're getting 100 a year. You know, where does that leave us if, with the current procedures that we have? Um, and that was good to see in one place. And then we had another section on um, practical and policy problems and that we just took submissions from individual members, um, which if they were endorsed by the full task force, they would be put forward as the task force position. If they were not, then they were just put in an appendix as like an individual member's opinion. And that was just all the things that had been raised in the previous year that people felt like the board of supervisors should in theory know about. And then we had another section where we looked at what we called online visibility of um, sunshine ordinance um, uh, information, essentially. So we looked at, you know, what was on the index to records, which is mandated by the sunshine ordinance, how current, what, you know, how many agents or bodies actually had contact information on the index to records, how much of that was actually current versus um, obsolete and then we also did a kind of broad look at next request because that was something that came up over and over again how was next request being used by the city um and we also ended up requesting uh, and we got from a lot of people just their um kind of yearly printout of all of the requests they had processed on next request and all the data that next request makes available only not to us but to the individual bodies we asked them to voluntarily submit it to us so those were all the data points that we used and so my question is you know do we want to look at those same data points again um, and we used a process where we didn't really have a committee we just had a few members who wanted to work on it and we worked on it in a kind of decentralized fashion and we put everything that we were doing online. So all the data that we got in, um, all the, the parts, the drafts we were working on, that all went online and we made it 
open to all the members of the task force to be able to comment or in some cases like add information if it was appropriate. And then we asked the public to just send me essentially any uh, you know, responses they had to what it was that we were putting online. Um, so that was our process. We tried to make it very public, very visible, but without having like a committee that had to sit down and have hearings and schedule and all that kind of stuff. Um, so those are my those are my big questions for people. Thank you, Vice Chair. Member Anderson, um, I just have a question. Did you get um, a res responses from the public to the information that you put up online? Um, I got very few responses from the public and we did also over like 5 or 6 months. We okay. mentioned it in every task force meeting that we were doing it. Um, I did get um, 1 member of the public requesting to see, like, sort of the. You know, how I put the surveys together and mm -hmm. things like that in multiple formats. But I really didn't get, you know, we also had solicited for that particular 1. I'll say we also solicited from. You know, just in our meetings, um, we wanted to have like stories of people had stories of how they had used information, but we didn't get anything. And also we wanted to post something on our website soliciting stories and we never got the permission from, you know, went through like this process of, you know, going to the clerk's office to get approved and it never came back to something that we could actually publish online. Yeah. We also have, I will say, a um survey that I guess has been out there and available on our website for complainants to review the process and sort of survey them about their process and how they experience mm -hmm. the task force. And to my knowledge, no one has ever completed that survey either. I was going to use that if there were submissions, but there weren't. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that vice chair Stein uh, took this on last year. I hope. She will do that again. Um, hold on. Oh, she hasn't said no yet. That that's a good sign. She's smiling. <laughs> she is smiling. Um, I think much of. Let me refer. I think some or much of what we did last year, uh, we should repeat and uh, refresh the information. I think some things we don't have to do again. We probably don't need another deep dive on uh, next request, for example. Um, but I do think. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking off the top of my head, um, if you could come back next month with like a, a 1 page outline of a, a possible TOC, um, that would be great. I, I'm thinking just like a, a brief summary of what's happening sort of in meeting land in the city and then a, a section on what's happening in Recordsville, and then maybe a sentence or two on 12 L. And then a, a whole big chunk on task force operations, complaints that we've handled, um, policy matters, uh, membership turnover, whatever themes you think make sense uh, for sort of the year in review um, here, and then policy, uh, new policy recommendations, whether they be about the ordinance or about other. I mean, I feel like this is our. Uh, one annual opportunity to communicate with the board on what we've done, what others are doing, what could be done better. Sort of the if they're going, if somebody's going to take five or ten minutes to read a report from us, this is the one we want them to read. Um, 
so something about a, a an over uh, what did I call it an outline, um, but also if, if you could and maybe it's not next month. If you can next month, that would be great. If not, the following month. If you could bring uh, both the the previous survey and any other like email or survey that you think would be useful to um, city departments to um, petitioners. To members of the public that have made public comment, like former member um, Washburn, uh, et cetera, on their interactions with us, um, you know, I, I'm sure if we had an anonymous survey that city department folks would have comments on how we conduct our hearings and might have suggestions for improvements, as would petitioners. So this may be an opportunity to just go out there for a couple of months and ask people what they think. And once we get that information back in January or February, start to compile that into a, a useful document um, that's not 100 pages, but could be, you know, more than a few pages um, and really give people a sense that we're actually making things better by trying to make things better, which I think we have. I mean, both in, in numbers and narrative and, and stories here. Does that help you? Does that? Yeah. Okay. It does. I mean, I tend to agree with you. I don't think we need to deep dive into yeah. the next request again. Um, I, you know, I think the most of the data points that we had would be really useful to repeat because then it yeah. gives us. I think they were they were all based on what we're supposed to be doing within the sunshine ordinance, and so it gives us a good sense of you know are we meeting these benchmarks or not, and if we're if we are great, if we're not, like you know what might we want to tweak to reach these benchmarks uh, more efficiently. Um, the 1 thing I will say is last time we, you know, I'm just not sure, like, if we have too many data points, right. it just might be like. Too much work for it, it depends on how many people want to work on it and what they want to do. Essentially, we did end up last time because, um. When city departments got a sense that we were, um, well, when they knew we were doing this, they were really eager. To talk about their experience and like several of them reached out to me and said, can we just talk to you about like what we what we see going on? Um, it would be interesting to have a survey. I'm not sure like where I would start with a survey like that, but that's something we could definitely talk about. And then in terms of petitioners or people who have used us, I mean, um, maybe we could send the survey that we already have online. Maybe we could just send an email to everyone who we've dealt with in this last year. Everyone who's come before us, either in a committee or a, um, um, you know, full hearing. Just send them the link to that survey, and hopefully they'll take it. Like that's kind of ready made. Although I haven't I haven't looked at it, well, so that, I'm not sure what. That's I'll why I was suggesting that if you could um, include that in the packet next time, yeah. so we can look at what that is, and if there are tweaks that you would suggest, I. I'm open yeah. to that. Okay. Member Schmidt. Yeah, I'd want to just state it, it. It may already be on the record somewhere that Member Stein did an incredible job with this report last year, yeah. and the, the the effort she put in is is. I don't think any of us really um, can. Kind of gauge, uh, she put in a huge amount of time. I think she created the, you know, the structure, the, the backbone of what this kind of thing. I know there were, there were some past reports, but I think she created a structure that 
we can work with. So I don't think that this wheel has to be reinvented every year. Uh, we, you know, we update, we, we, if something didn't work, we, we know it didn't work. Um, and, and lastly, I think that it would really help if we can try to have different people on the task force pitch in on on this even if it's a, a small amount i i know i i kind of have my own very specific role that i in, input not that i did nearly as much as uh, vice chair stein um but i kind of know how i can add to it but i think it would be great because i this is again like was already stated this is sort of the one time that we really do anything that ends up in a in a record other than you know complaint 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 this is this is another kind of product and i think this ultimately could be the way that uh we might influence policy in a concerted way. Thank you. Um, thank you, Member Schmidt. Uh, Member Popel. Sorry, just one other small thing. If we're going to issue this, let's say in March, April, like when close to when terms expire, which is my sense. Um, and I think I heard this from um, Member Schmidt earlier or some version of this. If we can have as a goal between now and then to here, close out, dispose of whatever, any files from 2019, 20, and 21, so that our oldest thing remaining is no more than like a year old. I think that would be fantastic. And if the headline on this report is we have, you know, way cut through the backlog and we will endeavor to not get that far behind again. That would be great, and I think that would allow us to be heard on other issues and with other audiences in ways that people can easily now say, well, why are, why should we take you seriously or deal with blah, blah, blah? You still have stuff that's been sitting around for four years. What the heck, right? So I think we can both have that as a goal and have a substantive report here. Sure. I think that would be great. Member Wolf. Yeah, you know, I would still like to have something in the report regarding the need to expand our office um, with uh, more staff. Uh, we've asked for it uh, for several years now. Uh, we've lost the ability to have um, a legal memo uh, to be created for us. And uh, even though we kind of get on with it, um it um uh i think we still for many members um would still be helpful uh, to have some sort of um a deeper explanation uh there are areas that we miss uh with regards to um reviewing past orders of determination to determine if precedent by this body has been set or if, and if there's a pattern uh, which could actually help uh, everyone uh we have not uh gotten a, a database where we can actually searchable 
database that we can use uh, for our ODs. Um, I mean, there's any number of things that we've been uh, trying for, um, including to ask for a pittance for uh, a one FTE uh, to help. Um, and I think um, I, that should be uh, reiterated uh, to them again. Um, you know, I just feel like, uh, you know, where they, while they appreciate what we do, and you hear it, you know, come appointment time and how important this body is, I don't think um, they take it seriously uh, to, to really make sure that it helps us. And we wouldn't necessarily have such a backlog if we had more help. I think there's a, a lot to that too. It's not just having one person doing the dragnet across the city and providing us with the, you know, five dozen complaints all at once, um, you know, that is going to be a fact of life. Uh, but having extra set of hands and eyes um, certainly can help in a single eight hour day. So I would appreciate if that was included, you know, on my exit of uh, 18 years being on this task force. Uh, I think it's uh, it's still necessary. Should fight for it. So I just want to say, like, just as we did last year, I, I think it's because uh, member Schmidt is right. Like I did, I spent a ton of time, like just doing the basic data. So if there are issues that are like really near and dear to your heart and you feel like they need to be discussed as um, a policy issue or a substantive issue around the task force, I want to encourage like each and every member of the task force to write that up. You know, write it up as something that you can bring in front of the complete task force and we can vote on if we want to endorse it as what we're recommending um, by way of policy or by way of administrative issues around the task force. Um, so anyone who has a strong, you know, feeling or an issue they've really been following or has really been bugging them in this past year or beyond, um, please write it up and, and have that ready, I would say, by like January. Um, for us to look at, and then, you know, this issue of, um, you know, I'm a little bit, like I said, I'm a little bit hesitant about, like, if we were to survey custodians or petitioners, I'm not against it. I think it would be interesting. I'm just worried about, like, the workload might become really great, but I want to also invite all of you, like, if you think there are re really relevant questions you want to ask the custodians or relevant questions you want to ask the petitioners, what are the areas that we need to be thinking about? Um, you know, what would be included in a survey, bring that to the next meeting as well. When I bring these kind of core points um, and maybe even review what's online already that's um, meant to survey the petitioners, even though um, no one's filled it out thus far, because I don't know when that was written by who with what purpose. Um, you know, so just think about, like, what are the questions that you would want to ask that you think are relevant? What's the point of surveying these people? What do we want to know? Um, what's most vital? And I'll just say, you know, we probably can't do a survey of more than maybe 10 questions. So we're not talking about a lot. Um, I'll think about it too, but I just want to encourage everybody to do that. And then I also just want to encourage you to think about like, are, is this something you're willing to work on? So that if we, you know, have four data points, maybe I'll do like two or three, somebody else can do number four or number five. Um, it just becomes too big if you try to do everything, right? So that's my response. Thanks, Vice Chair Stein. Have another. Oh, uh, go ahead, Member Wolf. 
Yeah, I just want to say and uh, to member Stein's uh, point, you know, we have taken positions on things as a body. Um, uh, for uh, various requests, uh, including the two that I had uh, mentioned uh, by a vote. Um, and so I think considering that we've taken positions on those already and they have not been fulfilled, uh, those can automatically go in. I mean, happy to dig up that information uh, and, and provide it, uh, but I think it uh, still needs to be be included and not left dangling. Thank you, Member Wolf. You know, um, I'll add to, I think, and, and uh, Member Pilpel brought it up in a, in a prior case, but I think something would be really helpful to have um, would be kind of a review of some of the more pertinent legislation. It seems that there's been more updates to things like the Brown Act or Public Records Act came out of kind of some of the best practices that were formed during COVID and some of the subsequent bills that were passed and are still being considered. And I don't think it has to be lengthy. Maybe that's even something the committee could do is just kind of, you know, bills that came out in the last year that were signed into law or ones that it might be pending in the next year, I think could be helpful. Um, I, I just want to echo also what uh, Member Schmidt said. I mean, this was, you know, a huge endeavor that I know Vice Chair Stein put so much work into. And, you know, it came out to, I'm looking here, 48 pages the last one, which that's a hefty report. Um, I certainly don't want... Bless your side to think that, you know, she set the, the standard in every year that, you know, we expect her to, to come up with, with uh, 48 pages. By no, I, I imagine it, right. I, I'm hoping it'll be shorter. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think it could be right. I, 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 there's probably, you know, some work that, that uh, I, I certainly don't want to see you have to do all that. <laughs> um, but, but to your point also that if someone does have something, you know, that they feel is important that I think, you know, I think it's good that we talk about it here, but then they kind of need to assign it to themselves. Someone as the, still has to write right, it. Someone still has to write it. Right. Still has to write right. the paragraph or the two paragraphs yeah. that explain the issue clearly and yeah. succinctly. I'm all for people doing that, bringing it to the board, whether we've, you know, approved it in the past or not, and then have us approve it again because we're approving the language right. um, as well. Yeah. And I don't think it has to be, you know, to the, Level of depth that, that you provided in some years, I know, uh, I honestly, it's, it's kind of intimidating <laughs> for, for someone who might be new to writing things. Some of yours have are just so thorough and have so many graphs and everything. It doesn't necessarily need to be that in depth to be included. Oh, no, I'm just talking right. about the policy. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Those were just 1 or 2 paragraphs right. that a few different people submitted. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so if even right that my point is, if someone wants to take it on, it doesn't need to be that they're signing up for a 10 page essay. It could be literally just. A few paragraphs that they want to add to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're just talking like 1 or 2 paragraphs yeah. on the issues that you think need to be endorsed by the task force or that need to be there. Um, Good and I'm just again, thinking out loud that if we have some section there that talks about. Um, law enforcement information in the context of old. Uh, 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 cases, right? Which is kind of a current issue around here, and um, you know, public comment at meetings or um, what was another thing that I was uh, uh, Prop G calendars. You know that that there are sort of topics that we are wrestling with 
and trying to provide uh, better guidance and understanding about. I think that shows people that we're, you know, actually getting whatever. I think those are good. And I, I don't know that they require a long book, but, you know, a sentence or two, and I'm happy to to contribute my share. We'll, we'll get there. I think the yeah. an outline would, would help. I think a sentence or two is probably too short. <laughs> we we <laughs> but, start with that. We can build from there. Yeah. <laughs> a paragraph or two is what's called for, but I'm, you know, again, like we could talk about things, but then I think people need to to volunteer to write them. So uh, timeline wise, um, do we want to kind of establish when we should? Yeah, so um, timeline wise. Yeah, we should get on it. <laughs> um, I can I can definitely come back to our next full meeting and have like a little bit more detail. Um, and maybe like, I think I had some ideas for revising like survey and all of that. But if we're going to do a survey and if we're going to go through the board of supervisors. Um, the clerk's office at the board of supervisors, we should probably get that done next month and mm -hmm. turn it in because we haven't always gotten things back. Quickly. Right. Um, and we would want to do the survey as soon as, you know, 2023 ends, right? Then everybody's in a position to know what their final, you know, situation is um, in terms of the city bodies. And we can pull, put everything out then. I mean, I think what happened last time was just a lot. There was like a lot to do because it was really um, sorting it out for the first time. But now there's sort of a template. So I think it's going to be much easier to get it out more quickly than I think it was April last time. <laughs> But, um, but that depends, right? Because also if we do a survey of people who petition, depending on what that survey looks like, if it's open-ended or something, then somebody has to go through and kind of like, you know, code it almost to see like, what are people really saying? Um, and again, you know, we have to decide whether we have the manpower to do that kind of stuff and, and what we want to do exactly. But I'd love to have all this, any surveys we're going to do ready to go by the end of the year and, and maybe, you know, the one for the city bodies as soon as possible, submit it so it can be put out there. And then if we're going to do any more, it should also be pretty quick so that we can get approval to to mail it out from our account, hopefully from our SOT account. <laughs> um, I know we did this last year and just I don't know what everyone's thoughts are. We kind of dealt. I think we took some vote or took some action. No, we can't do that tonight because it's a discussion only item. Yeah. But we did it to empower Vice Chair Stein to kind of act as our liaison so that when surveys came out and everything, that she didn't have to come back to us. We didn't have to agendize. We gave her the ability to approve the wording on those things to send out. Um, I think just, you know, we should probably do something similar to that again. Um, if you think maybe next meeting I can agendize that if people think just so there's not this thought of why didn't I get the chance to see that. I think we need to be on record that, you know, we, we, we delegated that authority to, to someone. So there's not second guessing after the fact. I was just going to suggest that for uh, next time that this reads something like continued uh, planning for the task force uh, annual report discussion and possible action so that we might take some intermediate steps. And otherwise, I would just suggest that we uh, keep it on the agenda from now until we uh, approve it and send it so that we're always sort of jogged on it for the next few months, even if it's at the end. Yeah, when we're going to take action, I'd like to have as much specificity yeah, as possible. Absolutely. So I don't like just put discussion in action and say, no, exactly. We're going to try to consider taking some action on it. Understood. So. 
um, which, which might include. Right. So I, I think designation of a yes, a lead person, I think, would be attention if there's anything else people think that we should take action on at the next meeting. Let me know so I can include it on this. I did just have the realization that I actually cannot be here in person for the next meeting and I probably don't qualify. I mean, do I qualify to be here remotely if I'm literally not in the town? Okay, so. Yeah. You could you could just sub submit I could something submit written. The yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have just like a timeline, we can solve the discussion. And okay. if you're not going to be opposed to maybe us designating you, <laughs> I don't want to do what you're not. I'm here. fine with that, okay. but I I don't want to be designated to like do all the work. Right, right. You know, it can't be right. <laughs> okay. No, no, it can't be you doing it. I just want to yeah. have to give you the authority to make certain decisions. Right. So it doesn't feel like you have to come back to task for it. Okay, much time that's for fine it. with me. Designated in absentia. <laughs> okay, so I anything else for this item? Anyone? That's good. Yep, I think we can move to public comment on this if there's anyone left. We don't have one anyone attending remotely at this time. Okay, so public comments closed. No All action right. and back next month. No action will come back next month again um, with some more specificity. So again, if anyone has any specific actions they want to see besides what I already talked about, let me know and I'll make sure to put them on there. Great. Okay, uh, let's go to item number 15. Item number 15, hearing sunshine ordinance amendment process. Receive an update from the compliance and amendments committee regarding their work considering various amendments the sunshine ordinance and discuss a potential timeline for consideration and action by the full task force. Okay, um, honestly, I put this on here before knowing that member Hood wouldn't be here who chairs CAC, but nonetheless, I, be, I think. Member Wolf member, Pilpon, I think you've even attended some as a member. There's one. Okay. So member Anderson also, um, but not the last one. <laughs> so I think we just kind of need to. Talk a little bit more about where we're at with that process. Make sure that if we're trying to meet any certain guide uh, deadlines, rather that we're we have a plan to do that. Um, not necessarily take any action. I think that's not about endorsing any specific amendments tonight, but just more process wise. If anyone thinks, I think last time we talked about this a few months ago, we talked about the need of maybe do we need to have special meetings or how many meetings of the full task force would we potentially need to have before. We send a, a final recommendation on to the full board. Um, so I don't know if member Wolf or member Pilpel, if you could share anything about the last CAC meeting and where things are and maybe where you see this going. Member Wolf, do you want to go first and then I'll. Yeah, okay. So, well, you know, as far as process is concerned, and, um, you know, there are some areas that require some. Uh, discussion and brainstorming uh, and it's not just be necessarily between us but it's also um, you know members of the public and others um, that uh, bring forward uh, suggestions and uh, requires you know sometimes it you can't think about those things ahead of time it's happening right in front of you so it, some sections even some paragraphs uh, in can run, you know, can can run some time. Uh, have discussion about it. So my concern is, is that there are, we've already missed the kind of the deadline for the spring election cycle. 
there are two others. Uh, there's the summer and there's the fall. And if we're going to make either one of them, then I think we need to move somewhat post haste. Um, because it's going to take some while a while for it to get through. Uh, either the board of supervisors sausage making or a collection of signatures. Uh, to be able to do it, so. I'll stop there. Okay, thank you, Mayor Wolf. Uh, Member Popel. Yeah, so a couple of uh, things. So last week at the Compliance and Amendments Committee, we had, I think, about an hour and a half discussion and got through kind of two sections 67.7 and 67.7 dash 1. Um, there was a lot of discussion, some uh, back and forth. Former Chair Washburn uh, was present. I, I think um, it's fair to say that if we're going to go through the ordinance top to bottom and you know reconcile different pieces and, and whatnot, it's going to take many hours, many months, um, and it, that it just takes time. And that's just discussing it ourselves. Um, to Member Stein, in for example, if we were to go out and survey other departments and petitioners and advocates, you know, that's yet an, another process. And I mean, it's kind of like how much time do you have? This project will fill up all of that and then some. Um, so I, I would suggest that the strategic question before us and perhaps for San Franciscans for Sunshine and the League and anyone else who's listening who might care is whether you want to do a relatively small thing and by small i mean a small number of amendments that everyone can agree on and are actually sort of useful as opposed to a 150 or 200 page rewrite that makes the thing into you know a, a, another book of the whatever um you can certainly do that, and that may be where we end up eventually, but I think if we make that the be-all, end-all, we're never going to get there. I, with these members, with any members, it's just, yeah. So, so there, there's that strategic question. I think that my, my sense is that the Board of Supervisors, individually and collectively, care a little bit about it, as we heard earlier from Supervisor Mandelman's office, but generally don't care that much. And I'm not sure that there, that there's anyone that's willing to invest their staff time working with the city attorney, working with us, working with advocates to fix it. They all sort of sense that there are things they like about it. There are a lot of things they don't like about it, but it's like not worth their effort. It's not like downtown revitalization or dealing with crime or uh, any number of, of other issues in the city. It's just a, a thing. Um, so as we go through this, I think we should think about sort of the big and the small or somewhere in the middle and how to fit this into a reasonable amount of time for us here and, and anyone else who may care. Um, Maybe I should pause there. Thank you, Member Popo. Other thoughts?
I do think that we're going to have a, another opportunity at CAC in December, which we moved from the 26th to the 19th, depending on whether there are any cases to be heard there, we may have another hour and a half. Um, and hopefully when member LaHood is back, she can better organize and orchestrate um, how that's going to work. Um, Thanks. So can I just ask hey, to be clear, what is the amendment process that you're thinking of? Like, is it that I'm thinking that we're doing? Yeah, I mean, is it something that has to be on the ballot, or is it something okay. that can the board of supervisors amend some small things, or is it what is the amendment process? Just remind me. So, to be clear, and uh, DCA Collins, if you have a different view, I'm happy to to hear that too. Um, there was a charter amendment a couple of years ago that included the privacy first policy and had some vague language that said the Board of Supervisors may amend the ordinance in a way that doesn't conflict with the privacy policy. There's another section of the charter that says that the Board of Supervisors shall maintain a sunshine ordinance providing for public meetings and records, yada, yada. The ordinance itself calls on us to recommend uh, changes to the board periodically, but that power was somewhat um, muted, for lack of a, a better term, with the amendments in 1998, because those amendments were voted on by the public, and generally the board can't amend an ordinance that was voted on by the public unless the ordinance by its own terms allows the board to subsequently amend. So you've got some conflicting stuff. Arguably, the board could by way of the charter, but not with its plain language. It, so an answer may be that somebody puts some version of it on the ballot, whether it's uh, six supervisors, four supervisors, or by petition, roughly 9,700, 10,000 signatures. Um, it is too late for March of 24. There is no June of 24 election. The primary was moved up to March, Super Tuesday, whatever the heck. So the next opportunity is November of 24. And then the next opportunity after that is June of 26. Um, for November of 24, it would have to be introduced at the board probably around no later than May, June. And I think the submission deadline is like July um, for maybe early August. In any event, right around then for November. Um, if San Franciscans for Sunshine were to mount a campaign, they would have to fundraise and do it by themselves, blah, blah, blah. Does that help you a little bit there there are a variety of different paths that it could take but they're not that many dca columns is that about right something like that there you go yeah i think we ran into that a little That's bit a highly we, we have the discussions about the disability slash handicap language right, right? and that, that may be an example yeah. of a small fix that, that the board essentially can't do anything substantive themselves without going on the ballot again um to even have that that deletion of physically handicapped i believe the the advice we got that even that would have to go to the ballot. So I think anything that we're probably looking at is going to be something that in one way or another has to go on to the ballot. Um, and, and just as 
I'm sorry, and then I, I promise I'll shift. Just as an example of something that I think is popular right now, this whole idea of remote public comment that the board chose not to continue doing, if that were on the ballot right now, I think there'd be broad support for that, particularly if we said, hey, we've been doing it, it's not that expensive, people love it, blah, blah, blah. There's a huge sort of, you know, set of folks that are in favor of that. At the same time, if we had 100 pages of detailed stuff, I think people would be like, we're going to spend money on this and for what and da da da. They, they may be like, you know what, you guys figure out what makes sense, negotiate it with the board, figure out how much it costs, if departments can live with it, blah, 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 make it happen. So like the high profile stuff, that's relatively small. And I think you can sell that. The real detailed thing, people are going to be like, I'm not in, I, you lost me on section 67. So some stuff to think about. Member Schmidt. Yeah, what, one thing that I think I would maybe, I, I, I appreciate a lot of what um, was just said and member Pelpel, very, very good analysis. Uh, yeah, most of the roads have to lead through some kind of a voter approved um, uh, ordinance. Um, and and that's a that's a pretty lengthy process. There, in my thought, the one exception to that might be that you wouldn't be uh, detracting from the existing ordinance if you at the board of supervisors level were to enhance to strengthen the existing uh, sunshine ordinance. I think that that would not contradict what the protections were in the original ordinance. And, you know, it, it, technically, I think it probably would need to be sort of tacked on to the existing, but I think that could be possibly done. I may, it may be that if I, Ask the city attorney's office; they might disagree with me. So, let me let me not say that I'm contending that that's clear, but I think that may be a potential road. I don't know if that would mean that the structure of the task force could be changed in that way. I'm just talking about the substantive law on documents meetings and whether those those uh aspects of law could be could be strengthened actually that's a really good question and i would be interested in hearing the response from that um because let's say that for instance um we had talked about and i know we sent a letter and actually ended up recommending a different potential part of the admin code but like the city email addresses what if there was a, a an area of policy that's so the sunshine ordinance as it is now is totally silent on could the board add to it you know something that doesn't change anything that's existing in there but just add a part to the sunshine ordinance, a new you know section that's not there versus amending changing or deleting something that already is there um without necessarily going to the ballot or maybe that's um good question <laughs> i haven't dealt with that so you want to use the mic can't hear you sorry I, good question. Haven't 
quite dealt with that type of issue square on. Um, you know, initial reaction to that is if something has been silent, then there, there really hasn't been the voter intent isn't there. And if we're straying away from voter intent, then that potentially strays into the area of some substantive change. Um, that's initial reaction, knee jerk reaction on that again. Um, don't have research to answer that question definitively, but gut reaction is proceed with caution with that route. Gotcha. And then to that point, um, and the, again, this is probably not something you could answer right now, but I've, I've, I found it before and I thought it was interesting because it actually is part of the Sunshine Ordinance that says that the board can do something. Granted, it's just with us, but in 6730D, it says, in addition to the power specified above, the task force shall possess such powers as the Board of Supervisors may confer upon it by ordinance or the, as the people of San Francisco shall confer upon it by initiative. So let's just say, for instance, the and this is something we've had come up before, that we can't subpoena records, right? People say, I redacted, you have to trust us that we redacted. Let's say we were to make the suggestion that, you know, hey, the task force should be able to subpoena records, we should be able to see the unredacted version so we can make that determination. And the board said, hey, you know what, that's a great idea. We should, we're gonna confer the subpoena power upon the task force. Could they do that under that section, for instance? And again, that might be a more complex question than you're ready to answer, even though it's a one sentence. That is that is more complex, especially given you know the reasons for redactions are usually pertaining to privilege. Um, well, I wasn't talking about the redaction. I just mean the the, oh. the the if the board were to give us that power, and I was just an example. It could be anything. It could yeah. be task force. It could do whatever. Something else. Um, I'm just curious how 6730s subsection D is the way it's written saying that the task force shall possess such powers as the board may confer upon it or as the people make it for upon it. Does that give the board, is that a carve out for the board to actually give us more ability to do things if they so want without it going to the ballot? I would definitely need to look into that more before. Not saying that the board wants to do that, but Answer. it seems to give a little carve out where it envisions them doing something without going to the ballot. I don't know. Well, I, I can just say part of the reason for that specific language was to make 12L work, that there's language in 12L that allows the task force to issue an advisory opinion about uh, compliance with the nonprofit access ordinance. The only way that the board had the ability to confer that power on the task force is that that sentence gave the board the ability to uh, impose, well, you know, either create more powers or impose duties or both on this task force. Otherwise, the task force is only empowered to do what 67.30 otherwise, or the rest of the ordinance, Provides so yes, it's a it's a small carve out. There, there's a lot of right, right. So, that, so it sounds that, like yeah. actually there is some precedent for expanding yeah. our role under that. Yeah, I'm cool. Wolf? On that, sure. Yeah, go ahead, Member Wolf. Okay, so you know, be, it's a broad statement. First of all, it's not. It could be for the purposes that um, Member Pilpel suggests, but it could be for other things. Like if we wanted something subpoenaed. We have to go to the Board of Supervisors who has subpoena power to do that or let's say for a specific document or a document that they would be allowed to subpoena for. 
uh, that kind of thing. Um, if they could then, um, under that provision, say, we don't want to go through all that hassle of doing it. We're just going to let you guys, we're just going to give you the authority to do it. Okay. So that's a, that's another, that's a way to, to uh, operationalize that uh, particular paragraph. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much interpretation there needs to be, like how deep you need to go, except to say whatever the power the Board of Supervisors has, they can abrogate that to anyone. Um, you know, if they so choose to give authority or deputy, you know, assignment or deputize or whatever, uh, uh, them to, to carry out the, uh, what they want. So I agree with you. That's a way uh, to get certain things done. Uh, on the previous points, I would say if there are items that uh, that can be amended by the Board of Supervisors that are not substantive, then we should be pushing those forward in mass. And it'll, they may want to take it a piece at a time, a group at a time, or all at once. That's fine. But there are other big bulky items uh, that are more controversial uh, or are substantive uh, that will go on a, on a different uh, prong uh, uh, to the voters. Uh, I think it can all be done, but there has to be some you know, commitment and motivation and, and distance for it. So I'll stop there. And thank you, Member Wolf. Yeah, to, yeah I, I, I think that's probably what we're all kind of getting at is I think there's various prongs that we can use. There's certain things that I think the board can do themselves, right, without going on the ballot, anything non-substantive. And I think there are some instances of that, um, you know, as I brought up, perhaps anything under, 6730 D, right? And then I think there's another prong that I think um, Member Pilpal brought up where there's, there's I think there's some big parts of the Sunshine Ordinance that there's non-controversial changes to. There's things like, you know, I don't think anyone would look at it and think that that shouldn't be fixed, but yet there's no way to fix it without going onto the ballot. You know, just throwing off the top of my head and I'm not getting into a, a discussion about that one in particular, but like the willful failure, right? It leaves out any board and commission members. So theoretically, it wouldn't be willful failure if the planning commission president decided, I'm not gonna allow public comment at any meeting. And I think that actually went to the ethics commission at some point mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago. And they said, well, that's, they did violate the rule, but there's nothing you can do about it, right? So I think, you know, adding something like board and commission members can also do willful failure. is probably like a no breaker, but there's other things that are, are far more controversial or gonna have a variety of opinions and thoughts and may even have a, you know, a price tag attached to them. Um, and I'm not sure doing all of them at once makes the most sense. Um, particularly if we think we're going to get all that done by yeah, yeah. Um, this summer. And to remember, Philpo, uh, while he was talking about deadlines, I, I brought up the calendar and it looks like the initial submission for an ordinance change is June 18th. And then it sounds go. like the finally passed version has to be done by. Looks like the, the uh, first week of August, right? So, um, means we would have to have something approved by the task force, probably, like you said, much May, sooner because they're right. not. It's not going to be a May, five right, minute. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so to think that we're going to rewrite the whole sunshine ordinance by April May seems a bit ambitious to me. I'm not sure that that's really something we can do. Not that it's a, not. I, mean, I think it's something they could certainly we can continue to work towards, but. 
I just don't see it meeting the November date. Um, so then it's, you know, are there something more short term that we could put forward um, that's less controversial or, you know, more straightforward that could go on that ballot or that the board could take care of themselves? And maybe if we had some type of tiered system or, or kind of like, you know, comms, these are the things the boards can do. These are the big fix items, non-controversial, and then the, the other stuff that, that comes later. It's um, kind of how I'm thinking about it. Can I also just add be, <laughs> the old maxim, be careful what you ask for. So if we wanted, if someone wanted to enhance the task force's enforcement power, whether it's by subpoena or an enforceable order or fines or penalties or whatever the heck, then presumably we would have longer hearings on those particular issues, additional due process considerations, possibly. It could get those things, when those happen, could get incredibly contentious and lawyered up and, and who knows what, for I'm not sure what benefit, but it may be worth exploring. Something like record retention policies and schedules, right now the task force has no specific role on that when departments want to update their record retention policies. We could propose that under uh, Chapter 8, remind me again, is it 8.1, 8.4, wherever, the Chapter 8 has the city's record retention policy and, and schedule stuff. We could say that in addition to the department head, the border commission, the mayor, the controller, the retirement board, that the task force has to sign off on those things, which might be a great idea, but then we might have, you know, one or two department record retention policies to review uh, every few months. That's more work. If if we can, it all comes back to the backlog. If and when we can get rid of and manage our backlog, we would have more capacity to do other proactive things. So all of these things kind of work together. Stuff to think about. Member Schmidt. I had um, understood this item to be somewhat of a description of what had actually um, transpired in the uh, committee. It seems like this is, I'm not quite sure I, if this was becoming a discussion of the substance of the all possible changes of the, the ordinance. Um, I, I don't think that that's exactly what's happening, but I feel like it may be drifting in that direction. Do we um, want to be having sort of like a free-flowing conversation about it? Or I wonder if maybe this is something that's going to move faster within a committee as opposed to something this right. way. So, so Member Schmidt, that, that's kind of why I put this on because my understanding is the compliance and amendments committee have had this on their um, agendas for several months now. And they're yeah. essentially doing a start to finish rewrite of it where they've looked at a few sections every meeting, right? And it's it's a very laborious process. Okay. Um, and so that's why I wanted to put this on here to say maybe we want to consider other ways of doing it. That's going to take a very long time. I think they're where, where are you guys at? 67.7-1. Okay, so sorry, it's 67.7 and it goes to what point 34? 30, there's seven out of 34 and it's already been on several meetings. So my concern was I don't see this happening before then. So is there any other thing we could do within the timeline that we may want to consider? Not the actual substance of what those are, 
But do we want to consider maybe a, a, a more abridged or a more fast track process while they work through that? Okay, so so just to um, make sure that I, I'm understanding, so that process is at sixty seven point seven, and the trajectory would be to get to the very end to create a a, a, a new ninety page or whatever document. If we considered, if we continue doing it that way, okay. Maybe okay. Pepper Levud has the okay. secret plan to end the war here. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, you and in the year twenty three fifty, maybe you get done. Uh, sorry. But um, the okay, and so we're talking about. Well, maybe that's not the only right, way right. to get amendments exactly. done, and what else should be exactly. considered? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That was what I was worried about. Is that? Yeah. I don't see that process wrapping up. Yeah. In time. So should we consider another timeline? Pieces. Other pieces. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not that I'm saying we need to vote on any of those pieces, but just is that something we should collectively consider? Yeah. I mean, what you're saying? I, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a good idea if there's sort of low hanging fruit that we think are, you know, fixes that can be done through the board of supervisors on our recommendation. I would love to see um, some kind of comprehensive list of what those things are and give it a shot. You know what I mean? And just see how that goes. Um, and then beyond that, you can continue with the process, or you can think about bringing a different process in to do bigger things. But I would love to see, even if small um, fixes can get through um, that process successfully. Thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, Member Wolf, did you have something? Yeah, I, I just want to uh, bring up an old proposal that was if we could create some sort of working group that can work on on this, even with members of the public, uh, and then have some way to record them without it, um, uh, you know, blowing a quorum issue, um, because we ha only have limited access to hold public meetings. Um, that would help a lot. I mean, the you know, work that people have been doing, you know, that are not members of the task force on the amendments, they meet weekly or every other week, you know, to work on them. I mean, that's that's kind of what's needed uh, in order to, to, to get through it. I don't know. I, I don't know a, a way to be able to do it because we keep getting told that it's it's not legal. It would be against uh, the ordinance. But then I'm concerned, you know, about what we just discussed earlier about the um, doing the annual report. We're going to have to vote on that. It's substantive, I think. I don't know. But if that gets if that has an opportunity to operate in a universe that is not done in a public setting and we do the same thing with this. Yeah, I not as a follow up on that. I just wanted to say going back a few uh, remarks. I think that that 
phrase pieces to me makes a lot of sense. And I feel that the idea of doing any more than small chunks of this is just going to end up being a, a, a cycle of frustration. And so I think that, you know, there's ways to break it into pieces. My thought on breaking it into pieces is maybe subject matter pieces. Like, um, do we say we're going to do a, a wave of um, sunshine strengthening in order to uh, sort of mirror changes at the state level on uh, law enforcement record uh, access? Or do we talk about, say, a set of uh, amendments in order to um, update based on new technologies? So it's sort of like maybe some kind of a, a theme type of thing. But at least we could somehow figure out a way to do bite-sized pieces, partly because the bigger it is, the more you can have disagreement and getting to kumbaya consensus or even close to it is going to just take forever. That's yeah, I, I'm with position. you, Member Schmidt. That was kind of the concern I saw. I, I think maybe this could be a situation where like perfection is the enemy of the good, right? You know, can we make it better, even if it might not be perfect, right? And then we, we might be able to make it better by November of next year. I like your idea of maybe doing themes, right? Or any other way that people envision it. Um, but I think if we try to do a full rewrite, while I think it's a, uh, an excellent and worthwhile process and appreciate the time and effort that people are taking to go through it, I think you're absolutely right. The more in depth we go, the more areas of potential disagreement, right? And that's not even considering the city who probably hasn't really weighed in yet. And I know the custodians of records have written to me and show some interest in the efforts that we're doing too. And I'm sure they're going to have thoughts that may very well conflict with what other people's thoughts are. And getting that all sorted out and getting enough support to get that all done and on the ballot by November, I think it's just not going to happen. So maybe we take a month or two, I can put this item back on the ballot, uh, on the uh, agenda. We could think about maybe, do we want to consider narrow you know, themes or sections or however else? And maybe we can make a few recommendations this year that seems like, you know, very you know broad consensus items that there's really not going to be a lot of pushback on. Member Anderson? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Lila at this point is working on on this process, as I understand it. She isn't here today, but she's working on the process. Maybe when she gets back, we can get some sense of exactly what idea she has in mind, or if she's looking for direction from the full task force to be able to get this done. And as much as I would like to fix everything at one time, I understand that sometimes you just have to do it in bites until you get to the end of it. So if we could even set up a bite that we think we can do working with her and the committee and, and all of us, then maybe we can get some things done, especially things that public facing things that are going to make it easier, not only for the public to access uh, the benefits they can get from our task force, but also for uh, departments to not feel as if we're overburdening them. So that's my thought. Appreciate it. I'm totally with you on that. Member Popel. Um, 
I think I'm <laughs> done with this for the day. I would suggest that we have this back at the full task force in January. Um, I hope and I suspect that the discussion at um, CAC in December will be productive. It's the 19th from 4 to 530. Um, I'm assuming that member Wolf will still be with us. I plan to be there, member LaHood. I would suggest that member Anderson and Chair Yankee, if you're able to be there, maybe, maybe not. Well, but we can't break quorum, so. No, no, but I'm saying that's only five. Yeah. Oh, that's five. And five is, is, five is a good number. Yeah. So if that, and perhaps if you could have a discussion with Lila before December as well to figure out where she is uh, on this and, and sharing with her the, the sense of the group tonight. We have a variety of different ways yeah, to do. go and let's evolve a, a plan. Not on not on the substance of the provisions, Perfect. but on a path forward um, so that we get something done. I don't I don't want to be in the same place six months from now. I think we get nothing. Right. We still exactly. have the opportunity to get something. So it's what yes. can we get. Done? Something is good. Yeah. Nothing is bad. So what does everyone think? Is January you want to have this discussion again then? Is that so? And maybe not this long, but we'll Hopefully, we're getting somewhere yeah. by January. That work for everyone? That's, all right, so I'll put something similar. Um, depending on how CAC goes, maybe even an action item, if we want to even take a, a vote on a specific theme, like Member Schmidt suggested, or an area carve out, or something along those lines, we could actually kind of make that, that action if necessary. So, Mr. Chair. Yeah, Member Wolf, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to uh, make a request um, that for whatever. Um, uh, suggestions or and and records that um, members of the public have submitted that they be distributed um, to us all um, and to um, uh, the public at the next. Uh, I don't know. It's got to come before the next CAC meeting um, because we didn't have them at the last meeting or the meeting before. And so it makes it a little bit difficult to prepare. And uh, when we don't have everybody's input that they're trying to provide before the meeting. Um, so um, I'm just wondering if there's some way. I don't know. Uh, maybe it be posted on the on the website. To, to member Wolf, I think chair LaHood indicated that she was going to. Attempt to do that for the December meeting that that would have uh, whatever currently exists. I know, but that means it, it's it's an entire almost month and a half from now. Perhaps it can, perhaps when she gets back, it can be made available sooner. I, I'm not holding back. It's not. No, I, I don't know, think she I, is. <laughs> if we're if we're looking to expedite, then we need we need that information too. So. Um, I think the wise people will figure it out. Yeah, uh, Member Wolf, perhaps you could touch base with, with Member LaHood and see what her plans are on that. I, I haven't heard anything one way or another. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think if we get anything up on the website to solicit input from whomever's interested, I think, you know, the more input, the better on this, right? Because I think, you know, if we look at it, we see that, you know, there's a broad consensus on a, on a variety of issues that are, are kind of like, like Vice Chair Stein said, the, the low-hanging fruit, then obviously those are the places we'll probably want to start with. Member Anderson. Um, if we wanted to get, um, yeah, my suggestion is if we wanted to get information out there a little bit earlier for the public, then maybe we could 
continue uh, this agenda item on Sunshine Ordinance Amendment process and as an attachment add those suggestions that have been made as part of the agenda item. So if people look at the our next meeting agenda, then they'll also be able to find what suggestions have been made regarding this. Yeah, so, I, I could add it in December and it doesn't mean we have to have this much of a discussion. It certainly it could be five minutes we can attach. I think it's a great idea. So Cheryl, if you, could you work to start compiling? I know that I'm not sure if you have one file or how you're keeping track of it on the clerk side, but all the input we've received so far, and then we can put some type of wording in there, I think to your point, like in to invite members to share additional thoughts. This is what we have so far. We want to see, you know, get additional thoughts and, and outreach and all that. I think it's a great idea. Okay, I think we're good with this item for now. Good. Um, I don't know, Victor, if anyone joined us since our last call for public comment, but let's just double check. I do not see any uh, other attendees. Okay, so no one's here, so we'll go ahead and post public comment and move on to the next item. Item number 16. Oh, excuse me. Item number 16, announcements, comments, questions, and future agenda items by members of the Sunshine Task Force. Okay, members, anything, future agenda items, comments? I have a small one I'll bring up and, and not to assign work to EOT, but maybe this is something they could look at. Um, I think as we start to consider, you know, we're going into an, a fairly big election season. Um, I know I've seen some public officials arguing with each other on social media. And uh, maybe we could do some type of guidance on AB 992, which came out just a couple of years ago regarding the Brown Act. And it kind of more or less prohibits um, members of the policy bodies from discussing issues amongst each other on social media. Uh, so that might be something we want to put out there just so, particularly because it's so new, um, that no one gets themselves into, you know, into trouble by having those discussions on Facebook, Twitter, wherever else, X, what they call it that now, um, and not, not be aware of it. So that was my thought. That's an agenda item. Um, Maybe member Highland will take that. Um, could I also ask uh, DCA Collins? I heard something, I think, on the radio yesterday that there's a case at the U.S. Supreme Court yes. about uh, social media. Um, if we could get just a, a page or a, a blurb on that case and what it involves. You've heard something about it? Not quite. I heard it. Yeah, it's, um, it's blocking. It's another right. case that made its way. It's kind of a continuation of, I think, it may have been the Trump one where I think they eventually just dismissed it because he was no longer president or something, right? right. No. But it's against some school board members and I think a city manager and Yeah, I think it's two school board members in California and then the city manager in Michigan. Yeah. 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 And it has to do with blocking of social media accounts by people who disagree with that public official. Right. Anyway, this whole area of social media yeah. is definitely- I think when we get into yeah. election season, this kind of thing gets more active. And I think giving right. some guidance going into that, we can get ahead of it so that people don't end up bringing complaints. I think it would be terrific if we can kind of do that. And we heard from Mr. Petrellis earlier, he brought prior complaints to the task force mm -hmm. related to the police department's use of social media years ago and that. So yeah, social media, we should be talking about it. Yeah. First, I, I believe that case may have just been at 
argument. So I don't know right. if there'd be a decision for they, they just quite heard a while, maybe Tuesday. June yeah. for something like that. I'm not sure of that. It may just be that they're, you know, deciding it. Um, and uh, I was going to ask uh, Chair Yankee, the the EB uh, bill on social media, Bronick, were you, were you bringing that up as something applying to this group specifically, or are you talking about as it applies to uh, citywide? I'm just wondering what the why you were bringing it. Oh, up. citywide. It was citywide. No, not any, not anyone here. I, I saw two city officials on social media discussing a particular policy issue okay. on their social media. Okay, they're on different sides of that issue. All right, and saying yeah. why each other were wrong on it. Right, and uh, so okay. that was something they just voted on, and then having that discussion on yeah. social media, I think, making you know have issues with EB nine nine two, and so I think we want to get ahead of that and warn folks. Let's not go there. That sounds totally in our wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we need to know that. Now. Yeah, yeah. So I think the more education we get out of, because this was only effective January 1, 2021. So this is very new. Yep. This would be the first really you know, robust election season, um, potentially with this there. So just want to make sure that, like I said, folks don't get themselves yeah. in trouble. It wasn't about uh, member Sugarman's uh, uh, crazy TikTok videos. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't us. So for the DCA, it's SF based ninth ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, the two California cases, and then sixth U.S. Circuit for Cincinnati. That helps. Uh, Member Highland, are those the cases that are at the U.S.? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait, can you say it again? Sure. Um, uh, the California case. Um, uh, da, 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 da. The San Francisco based 9th US Circuit Court of Appeals agreed. Uh, and then the Michigan case, it's the Cincinnati based 6th, 6th US Circuit Court of Appeals agreed. So that, that maybe the, the lower courts, but I think on Tuesday, US Supreme Court heard them both. Okay. Yes. Just starting here. Yeah. Very interesting. Just call Vince Shadow yet. Yeah. Okay, anything else for this item? Any other future agenda items? I think we already kind of but we'll take this on it. Covered some good ones here, so we'll see. Well, I think we'll have some good discussions at our next meetings here coming up. Um, so we'll go ahead and take public comment if anyone showed up. Then we'll I think be done. So Victor, anyone there? No, we have no attendees. Okay. So I think we're ready to move on to the final item. Item number 17, adjournment. Okay. okay. All in favor? Aye. All right. Hearing no opposition, we are adjourned at 826. Have a good one, folks. Good to see you all. Are the microphones off? Cheryl. I see you too, Bruce. Fair enough.